live from Burbank, Burbank, the media capital of the world. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast, a journey where people become fearful to fearless all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, Andrew Locke and Kim Dykes. everyone, this is Andrew, one of the executive producers of the Coaster Challenge Podcast. We're doing a special live streaming episode to talk all about IAFA. And we've got a couple of people joining me today. First of all, we've got a special guest in the house. Uh, not necessarily special to the podcast, but more so this day. So I want to welcome the birthday girl, Kim. Happy birthday, Kim. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy to be here. This is a... Real treat. I had no idea this was going to be occurring on my birthday until the end of last <laughs> week. And, um, you know, this is going to be a learning experience for me, as I was telling Andrew about. I've never been to IAPA, so I'm pretty much going to sit back, listen in on the conversation and ask questions because I'm here to learn tonight because one day I hope to be able to attend the event. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great, Kim. And yeah, it'd be great for you to ask questions, especially it's one of the reasons why I was thinking it'd be good for you to have you on here with us, because you are, uh, from an APA's perspective, not from the industry perspective, you're an outsider, you've not been to APA before. So, because the rest of us, the other two of us that will be talking here, introducing the other person in a moment, uh, we've been before, so we kind of have that bias, if you will. So it'd be good to have that outsider perspective and so forth. So, um, and so, yeah, as I just alluded to, uh, thanks, Kim. Uh, we have one other person with us here today, uh, and actually it's someone who's not been on the podcast before, unlike Kim and I. Um, I'd like to welcome, very proudly welcome, a good friend of mine, Michael Muldoon. Welcome to the podcast for the first time. Thank you. I've been a fan for a while, and I- I'm so honored um, to be discussing IAPA. Um, this is my eighth year attending. Uh, I- I've been looking forward to this for a while, but I've never been on a podcast to discuss it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And Michael, you and I have known each other now. We've been friends for what four years plus, and uh, uh, we, uh, we we wound up uh, becoming friends because of another podcast, which we will not talk about. Uh, <laughs> we are both uh, effectively done with, so, so to speak. But uh, but on to better pastures here with regard to Coaster Challenge. Again, we've not had you on here before, um, and as I told you when we started planning this a week ago. Um, you know, we're not going to do our normal interview with you tonight. I, I want to do our normal interview, the fear journey, talk about, your, you know, your favorites of uh, theme parks and favorite coasters and attractions and, you know, crazy stories, you know, to actually work in the industry as well. But we'll do that as a separate interview and we don't have nice. something crazy like IAPA to talk all about. So you're kind of unique in that you're going to be the first person on the show that's not, you know, going through the first time with us. Uh, okay. as a normal interviewer so you know you've got you've got that unique uh, unique aspect to to uh to hear so anyway so we'll, we'll get started here um you know we're gonna be talking all about IAPA. there's um a lot of good things to talk about 
mostly good things, thankfully. Uh, but there are going to be a couple of more serious topics. And I do want to start with a very serious topic, a very unfortunate event that happened. Um, I don't know if this is the first time that it's happened at IAP or on the show floor, at least. But um, the first one I certainly am aware of, um, Michael, maybe you know of another. Hopefully this is the time it's happened. Um, uh, I think it was at the end of the day on uh, Thursday, uh, right. the third day of the show, uh, at the Zamperla booth. Um, you know, for those that uh, that may not be aware of Zamperla, you know, you probably have heard of the manufacturer Zamperla. You probably think it's a weird name. Well, a lot of times when you see kind of unique names of companies, it's because it's a family name. And Zamperla is a family name. So Zamperla, the, the company, and they're based out of Italy, uh, they are very much a family-oriented company. Uh, a lot of the management there are part of that Zamperla family, and that's, they've been around for many, many decades. Speaking of that, unfortunately, uh, we lost an icon uh, at IAPA that, that day at the booth there, um, Alberto Zamperla, uh, who I believe he started Zamperla. Isn't that right, Michael? He started the company, right? He did, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he was definitely up there in years. You know, he lived a full life and a very good life. But unfortunately, he passed away uh, at the end of the day there. It was very, very sad. So, um, you know, just want to say kind words. You know, Zamperla is a great company. They're really moving up in the industry. They have great flat rides, but they're making making strides with their coasters, with their log plumes, and offering improved models. And, and uh, Alberto certainly was a big part of that and a big part of course, he started the company. So just want to say something about that. But, um, you know, Zamperla, our thoughts are with you, you now with the, you know, the grieving that you're going through. And, and uh, yeah, just hope that things... Uh, move on to good pastures, you know, in, in, in Alberto's wake, you know, not having him there. Hopefully you guys can continue to innovate and be a great company. So I wish you guys luck. So, I do want to add um, about yeah, that. Yeah. I found it very respectable that the booth actually closed because um, yeah. IAPA has a policy where the booth has to be open from 10 to six each day and 10 to four on the, on the fourth day. Um, but I'm not sure how, but someone got special permission to actually close the booth and close the ride the rides at Zamperla because of what was going on. When I first heard that um that the booth was closed, my friend texted me. I was like, oh my gosh, someone there must have been an accident or something. I was telling my friends, like, oh my God, find out what happened. I, I had no idea that it was um a death in the company. So I find it very um respectable and very, very good that um that Zamperla had permission to close their booth for the rest of the day that day. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, I don't even know if IAPA has rules or most trade show organizations have rules about what to do, you know, other than safety things, but in terms of like, um, uh, kind of uh, running the show, you know, the booths, like you said, keeping them open or not, because like you said, they are required to be open during full trade show hours, right? Uh, which is, which is an important part of being a, a trade show. If the booth's not open, then that's a problem. Uh, but you know, whoever, if, if it was a decision that was made outside of IAPA policy, it was a great decision. If it was right. IAPA policy, it's good policy. Either way, it was a good, good on IAPA, how they handled it. Uh, and again, very unique, unfortunate situation. So, so Michael, you know, you, you are, um, you are on our list. Well, actually I'm going to take, kind of make a quick funny. Um, there is, <laughs> Kim's going to laugh. There is a certain former guest of the show, I'm not going to name who it is, uh, who has this idea that we don't have a lot of options for guests for the show and thinks that, you know, we're going to have to have people on again and again. Now, we have had, I think, one, definitely one, maybe two people on the show more than once, but that was because of who they are and what we were talking about. 
But literally, I have, and I know Kim has a pretty good list. I have a list of people, most of whom have you know, I've talked to, have come to me, you know, asking to be on the show. Uh, people that I know would like to be on the show, I haven't talked to yet, but just dozens upon dozens. I, we have enough for probably four or five more seasons, just four right. more now, and I'm adding to it all the time. And Michael, you are on there. So we okay. just have not gotten around to you yet. Uh, as a regular guest, as I mentioned earlier, but you know, you kind of got shortlisted to the top of the list uh, because you know certainly there are other people I think that are on the list of people we've not had on yet, or even people we have had on that have been to IAPA a few times and would be a good person for me to talk to as someone who has also been to IAPA a few times. But I think you've been to IAPA more than most that I, of people I know. So eight, eight times, times in my life so, since twenty fourteen. Yeah, so you are a an expert uh, on IAPA, and one of the things we'll be talking about—it's not a main topic, but one of the things we'll be talking about for a little bit—is you know how IAPA you know was this year versus other years versus right. previous yes. years about COVID and things like that. But you know, certainly, uh, you know, this goes without saying, but I'll say it, Michael. Uh, you want to want to call upon your vast knowledge of IAPA yeah. and things you've seen before and differences, and certainly with our very last topic, I think this will come into play as well as far as you know, best practices, I guess we'll say for now at IAPA, we'll get more in detail on that later. But, uh, but again, thank you again for being with us. We really appreciate taking the time. Of as an expert. So, all right, well, let's start talking about IAPA itself. So I want to start with what talking about, and this again, Michael, you'll help a lot with this, what IAPA is and what it isn't. So first of all, uh, IAPA, a lot of people probably know this, uh, it is an acronym. A lot of people don't know what that acronym stands for because it's one of those more difficult, like a military style with lots of letters. Right. So it's IAAPA, which stands for the initial, yeah, I'm already getting tongue-tied, the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. And, you know, it's important to understand the name of it because that really frames what the IAPA trade show and exhibition and conference is. So it's all about amusement parks, theme parks, attractions, and everything that goes into those things. Uh, so now IAPA is an organization. It's a trade organization actually based here in Orlando, not far from where you and I both live, Michael, since we're both Central Florida natives here. Uh, but it's not just a trade organization. They have various programs, educational sessions and courses, and they have various trade shows around the world in Asia, right. Europe. But the one here in the U.S. that happens uh, the middle of November, the week before Thanksgiving every year, which conveniently is always my birthday week, which is kind of fun as I happen during my birthday, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it's the biggest one. It's the biggest one for IAPA because it's the it, it's in the theme park capital. What better place to have it? In right. fact, a lot of trade shows, they their main show, they some, some shows, I should say, they rotate from one city to another to give kind of a, a different um, uh, uh, access, you know, and inc encourage people from the East Coast to go on the East Coast one year, West Coast one year. But you know, because Orlando is so important to the industry and there's so many people here in Orlando that are key to IAPA, they have it in Orlando every year. And the, the OCC, the Orlando Con uh, County Convention Center, is a rather large, one of the larger convention centers. So it's built to handle yeah. a show like I am. So, so that's... So that's the basics of IAPA. Now, we really should get into more detail here. Um, so, Michael, you know, a lot of these things I know myself, but I, I, you know, I'd like, you know, maybe have you some explain some of these things, especially with your vast knowledge. So why don't you talk about what the purpose of the IAPA trade show, the, the expo is? Sure. So IAPA is a trade show. 
Um, for the um, first couple of weeks of November, when people were starting to go for their first time, they were getting excited. Um, a lot of people texted me like, oh, what should I wear? What, sh- what time should I get there? I've actually had people ask me, should I wear a coaster shirt? IAPA is not a <laughs> coaster convention. It is not a coaster. It's not an ERT event. It's not a convention, whatever you want to call it. Um, it is a trade show. And it is meant for exhibitors and manufacturers and vendors to sell their products. And it's more than just coaster cars. Yes, you see the B&M pipeline train. You um, you see Intamin trains and Zamperla rides, but it's much more than that. There's food vendors, bounce houses, um, virtual reality games, um, anything you can think of, um, cell phone charging lockers. Um, so I, I don't even know where to start. Like ice skating, haunted houses. There's a lot there. Yeah, basically, you know, it's a good description, Michael. Thank you. Basically, if there is something that goes into a theme park, trash cans, you know, food, you know, yeah. any kind of utilities, of course, rides, attractions, games, you know, whatever it may be, whether it be front stage, you know, to the access to the general public or backstage, you know, computer systems and things right. like that, then it is likely the ad IAPA. I mean, theoretically, right. IAPA, you could think of as being like a gigantic supermarket where people that own a theme park, so maybe you're even starting the theme park for the first time, you know, Mattel was there, Mattel's, you know, building a brand new theme park, they could theoretically walk through IAPA and get everything they need. Now, you don't, literally, you don't go with with a shopping cart, you're not literally buying things and taking them home with you or back to your office, but you're right. meeting with the companies, you can meet with the companies, talk to them and find out, okay, what they charge for this, what are they what versions or what options do they offer in four right. trash cans or four coaster. And then they can negotiate deals or, or, or at least get the process started and then have meetings after the show and, exactly. and, and so forth. But, but again, like you and I are saying, the primary reason, number one reason far and wide why IAPA exists, the trade show exists, is for companies that sell products to be able to market their products and meet with their customers and so those customers can then, you know, again, theme parks and whatnot, can get those products into their parks. And why that's important, why that is so uh, worthwhile or why it makes so much sense to happen at, at, a, at a place like this is because think about our industry more than most industries is so international. Parks yes. all over the world. Companies, you know, it, you know, this isn't dominated in the U.S. We have U.S. coaster companies and U.S. companies that, that provide things to parks, but there's companies in Asia, there's companies in Europe, you know, for yeah. coasters, for rides, for all the, for games, for all this stuff. And given, especially now with travel, you know, and people still need to concern about COVID and travel being expensive, it, it, it's not easy to go to, you know, to Europe to meet with B&M, you know, or, or, you know, or to, to go, you know, to Asia to meet with various companies, you know, there were even more Asian ride manufacturers there like Golden Knights. You know, yeah. so with all these companies in one place and all of the buyers for the theme parks in one place, everyone can meet there together and they can, you know, have meetings at the, on the trade show floor after at the end of the day, have meet for breakfast in the beginning, you know, go to, go to parties in the evening and talk more, right. just even go out to dinner together, whatever it may be and have these quality discussions. And, you know, we'll talk at the end about other activities that, some right. of these enthusiasts that come to these shows think I app is for. And I want to make one great positive statement. I might even make it again at the end is 
So for enthusiasts to keep in mind is, okay, granted, this show is not for you specifically, but it is in your best interest to let IAPA be what it's supposed to be. Let the parks have their time with the exhibitors. That's first and foremost, because how else are you going to get your new coaster credits? How else are you going to get, you know, new games are going to join the parks, new food items, new amazing dark rides. This is IAPA how, is how a lot of it happens or at least starts. So let these companies do business so we can get better parks. Right. Okay. And that is a very positive way to look at this. And, we'll, and why I'm making a statement about this is we'll get into again at the end of our discussion here. Um, now, I would say secondary to that being the big reason for IAPA, I think the next big reason, which is kind of related, is for networking. You know, for people to network each other and to build rapport with each other. And that certainly is where, you know, coaster enthusiasts, that can come into play too, with as long as it's done respectfully. I'll give you an example. Um, good friend of mine, actually Kim as well, and Michael, you met him as well last right. week. Uh, uh, he, he's trying to get a job in the industry. And he very respectfully went to IAPA to, to meet the, meet various companies. And I have a good friend who works in the industry that helped kind of show him around and introduce him to people. And he went to some of the after hours uh, actually, one of the after hours event, actually a couple of them, one one with us and then one one uh, separately from us. And, you know, met some good people and made some good contacts in the industry. Again, mm-hmm. not taking a lot of people's time at the trade show, but just meeting people, getting business cards, learning, you know, names to faces. And, you know, I, there is a very good success story um, that unfortunately ended in tragedy. But um, uh, there's someone that uh, his name is Jake, not Jake Hilkup. Um, I forget Jake's last name, but he was a younger guy that uh, got a job by going to the RMC booth. I think it right. was in 2019. Yes, that year. And I guess talked to talk to Fred, and he got a job basically working uh, on the you know the maintenance construction side of RMC, and actually was one of the people that helped build Iron Gwazi. Correct. Uh, not related to that, but unfortunately, he passed away very tragically uh, later on in 2020. Uh, because the uh, you know RMC had to stop work at Iron Glass because of COVID, and he was working at the Star Flyer, and uh, he was doing maintenance and climbed up, uh, you know, was high up on the Star Star Flyer, you know, working maintenance in the morning and fell to his death, unfortunately, very untimely. Um, I never got to meet him, but he was a brilliant, brilliant guy from what I understand from friends. But again, ended tragically. But the main point here is he was able to get a job by making contacts at IAPA. Um, that's Jake's story. So, uh, you know, and again, networking, that's a very legitimate reason. Now we will talk as we go through all the things that happened at IAPA and we saw at IAPA, we'll talk about what enthusiasts can enjoy at IAPA, but that's not the purpose of IAPA. And so all the things we're going to talk about, you know, we want to frame it in terms of doing these things respectfully and professionally. I'm emphasizing those words again for a reason, which we'll get to it uh, once again. But um, anyway, so that's got a little bit more detail about IAP and what it is and what it isn't. Again, it's not for enthusiasts, although enthusiasts can, in, in a in a responsible manner, enjoy IAP if they do it right. But it's mainly for people that work in the industry. So, Michael, I know you want to share a few more things. Yeah. Um, so I did want to add a few more random facts about IAP that um that that just came to my mind. Um. So I know you said that some conventions do go, um, they change locations every year. Um, so yes. random fact, IAPA actually has a contract with the Orange County Convention Center to be there through at least 2030. So for the oh, next wow. eight years, it'll be 
in, in Orlando. It has been in Las Vegas in the past, but I think the last time was 2009 or maybe earlier than that. But I'd love for it to be in Vegas again because I don't finally get to go there. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, 20, Vegas, 2030 at least. I've been to multiple because of my day job. Right. Uh, you know, various jobs I've had in my career. I've done a lot of trade shows. In fact, I'll be going to a trade show for my current job in February in California. Oh, cool. And uh, they're yeah. fun. I've been to trade shows all over the world. I've been to them in Dubai, in, uh, in Singapore, in the UK, all over the US, um, you know, for various industries. And Las Vegas, I've been to a several shows there. Oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And it's, the, you know, the Javits Convention Center, again, very large, like, like the OCC. Yeah. Um, and uh, OCCC, I should say, Oregon County Convention Center. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it's a great location because all the hotels and you've got great things to do there. And, you know, I, I would say if if there's a second most appropriate place in the U.S. after after Orlando for a IAPA type, for a theme park amusement park type location for, for a convention that I would say Vegas is probably the second one is the next most common. It makes, that makes sense. So, yeah, I'd like to go back to IAPA. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Michael, uh, you know, I know you've been going to IAPA for eight years now. Uh, I've been going every year that it's been offered since 2019, which is right. three years because 2020 was not offered because of COVID. Uh, and you know, 2019 was the one year I went before COVID, and then I went in 2021, and then again this year. And certainly, there's there were some differences, but uh, you know, again, I'm curious to get your take, Michael, on how IAPA has weathered. You know, what it was like before COVID, and how it's weathered COVID. You know, last yeah. couple of years, and where it is now versus where it used to be. Of course. So back in 2018 and 2019, we actually got 40,000 um, attendees. I think 2019 wow. was the record year. Um, we used to have the exploration station outside. It was this giant, like, air-conditioned building with dozens of other exhibitors that just couldn't fit on the main floor. Um, unfortunately, this year and last year, the outside was cut down. It was mostly bounce houses. Um, so I'm hoping next year it will go back to having a similar exploration station or at least a lot more outside um, outside exhibitors. Um, but it, it definitely... Um, it definitely has gotten smaller since 2019, but last year it was pretty small. But last year, I remember there was so much happiness of everyone just happy to be back. Yeah. 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 So I would say, I remember last year, a lot of the, what a lot of what was outside this year or in 2019, certainly what was inside last year, like they almost right. had nothing outside. Uh, and then even beyond that, the main exhibition hall, which I think that's the, it's the east side of the street is is where IAP always is because there's there's two sides, but but right. the entire concourse was was not filled. I mean, there was there was dead space um, in one corner, you know. And this year it was all filled up again, basically. Yes. So I feel like this year it may not be quite at 2019 levels, but it was pretty close. Yeah, right, not, not far off, which is a sign of of the industry returning, of of life returning to normal, and which is all all great stuff. So now let's start talking about the kinds of things, some more specifics, especially given our audience uh, of the kinds of things that we saw and we typically see at IAPA that would be of interest to the audience here. So I think the first one, of course, this is the Coaster Challenge podcast. So we primarily talk about coasters above anything else. And 
you know, one of the things I think talking about comparing old IAP, you know, kind of older IAPAs versus newer IAPAs is it used to be, and I'm sure Michael, you really got some zingers back in the day that at IAPA new coasters would be announced. Like you people like coasters we didn't know were coming would be announced. Right. You'd find out what the ride was, who the manufacturer was, the name of it. You know, you get to see, you know, a concept video. Like for example, the one I remember that I've seen was in 2019. I remember on the very first day in the very beginning of the day going into, you know, because it was on the program and it it said go to this conference room. So I went to this private conference room outside of the ex- exhibition floor and it was for SNS. Okay. Okay. And, and I forget what it said, you know, what the, what was described. It sounded interesting enough. It was something about SNS displaying a new ride concept or something like that. And they, uh, they made an announcement and they showed us an animation and it was the first reveal ever of the Axis prototype. Of, of, oh. of, not even a prototype. It was the Axis, you know, animation, the Axis concept, yeah. I should say, not the prototype. Uh, and then since then they've had actually the train and we'll be talking more about that later, but but yeah, I mean, that was, the, for me, that was the last big, big announcement. Now, last year, there were a couple of new coasters announced. I remember Palindrome was announced, for example. Oh, yeah, right. Um, you know, which nothing against Girls Hour, Ride Entertainment, Chris Roberry and the team there did a great job. But, it, you know, it was not, it, it's not quite at like, uh, you know, a, a big, big level, like a, like a Dollywood or something like that. Because it is for a smaller park. It's, you know, it's for... Um, for uh, uh, Circuit of the Americas, Land, which is a really cool park to see them coming up, up and coming. But, you know, again, it was kind of a smaller announcement because of the scale of it. Um, right. But there haven't been like, you know, major, major announcements, like, you know, the equivalent of, of announcing a whole new coaster concept, you know, like Axis is. I mean, that announcement is analogous to, uh, and maybe, I don't know if it was announced back in the day, but when uh, Arrow announced the 4D concept that Alan came up with, what, okay. back in uh, 2000 or so, 99, when, you know, that before it was built at Magic Mountain. I don't know if they announced it at IAPA um, way back then, but that's what Axis, that's what that announcement was equivalent to, a brand Ooh, new, wow. never before seen concept. So we just don't see that as much anymore. But what we see instead is coasters that have already been announced right long before iapa but we get at iapa and they have these press conferences for uh is reveals of the train so they actually have the first the zero car like the first car first, yeah you know of the train not usually the whole train of course uh for a given coaster you know and all the theming and everything revealed at the manufacturer's booth but of course the press conference is sort of done Oftentimes in uh, synergy with the park that that coaster is going to. For example, um, one of the one of the big reveals this year for a coaster train was at the B and M booth, which pipeline. was for pipeline. So that was with SeaWorld Orlando here. You know, and, one of our new coasters we're getting. Yeah, yeah. And there were a lot of SeaWorld people there, most of whom I knew. Yes, yes, of course. You know the because you used to work at SeaWorld Orlando, yeah. still working the chain, so you know those people absolutely. So you know, and, and a lot. Of times these trains are displayed in a nice manner where they're kind of up a little bit and kind of tilted you get a good perspective and you can get some good video and photographs of them uh sometimes they're lower so you can actually sit in them they're good photo ops and that's fun yeah. too arctic um, rescue but, you could sit yeah. on pipeline you could not yes sit. yes so uh i'm gonna i'm just gonna go ahead and run through um the the ones we saw and then michael yeah. if you want to 
recommend, you know, what you thought of them. And I'll just go on through the list and then we can kind of go back and talk about the ones you're interested in or we're both interested in talking about. So the ones that I remember seeing here, there might have been more, but the main ones were, of course, Pipeline, the new stand-up coaster for SeaWorld Orlando. Uh, there was the RMC booth was the uh, train for the for the first car for the Wildcats Revenge. Oh, Wildcats Revenge, yes. And uh, I have things to say about that. But again, we'll talk about that when we kind of get done through the run through here. Uh, then there was the, which I think is still not named yet, or maybe it is, the Theater Point Wild Mouse Coaster, which was Zamperla, so the Zamperla booth. Uh, then there was the Zambezi Zinger, the new wind coaster from GCI. Yes. Train for that. And then uh, Vacoma booth, Big Bear Mountain. Uh, and then there was, a, as you mentioned already, Michael, the Intamin booth, uh, Arctic Rescue. And then the other main one that I remember seeing was the, well, we've seen it before, uh, was the Axis prototype, uh, you know, on the track and so forth uh, at SNS. So are there others you can think of? Are those are the kind of the main ones? Those were all of them, um, all the all them that I could think of, and all the train reveals are always on Tuesdays. Right, they're on the first day because yeah. Apple starts on Tuesday and on Friday. Um, right. So, well, I'm not going to say anything. I want to. Well, when I want to talk about Michael, I want to get your opinion first of the Wildcats Revenge one. It looked great. Um, I remember some people had some were struggling to take the um, the cover off on that one. I thought maybe that should have been practiced yeah. before. Um, <laughs> yeah, I loved the front of it. That looked really good. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where when I first saw it, because it's so striking that it it rubbed me the wrong way. But then I walked by it several times during the week, and it, and it grew on me. Okay, uh, and the thing about it is, it's it's very three D. It's not just yeah, it was you know, a, a flat car, a flat front or curved front with a logo on it. Just no, it's it. much more. It's, it's like it's like a wildcat yeah, just like, like coming out of the train. Yeah, it's very three D looking. But I think you know the more I thought about it, like when you see that rolling around the track and coming in the station, it's right. going to make a, a statement, you know. So I, I think it's going to be cool, uh. you know. So it's it, it's you can imagine like Michael like. It's not like this, but imagine like they get new trains for the beast at one of Kim's home park. <gasps> yeah. Kings Island. And imagine it being like that. Maybe even they'll get inspired. Kings Island, Peter Ferg get inspired by that and do like a, a beast coming out of the train. You know, maybe they'll start a trend. But uh, I thought that one was very uh, striking. So uh, on the other hand, the, C- the Cedar Point Wild Mouse one, uh, like it was like this cheddar cheese thing. Cheese one. And now, can you imagine if that was 3D? I was like, because I saw the Wildcat one, then I go over to Zamperla, I'm like, oh man, they should have made it 3D. But, you know, it's, I mean, the problem with, with what, uh, you know, hopefully this is not an issue issue for RMC and, and Hershey, but with how, how 3D, you know, and you've got that Wildcat coming out of the train, you got to think it probably, probably affects drag somewhat. So, you know, okay. the speed of the train might be a little faster if it was more streamlined. Right. And that's probably why a lot of trains are streamlined. But I'm sure they've got it figured out with computer modeling, and I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, so. Oh, um, I, I have a random fact yeah, about yeah. Cedar Points and IAPA. Out of the eight years I've been yeah. going to IAPA, this is the first year Cedar Points ever had a press conference. They did not have one for Steel Avengers in 2017. This is the first time Cedar yeah. Point has ever had one. Yeah. I mean, it, it was... It, that was interesting, and I'm sure yeah. I'm curious about what the what the back 
backdoor sort of Zamperla and Cedar Fair working on that together, how yeah. they work that out. Because normally um, Cedar Point and of course everyone's favorite park spokesman, Tony Clark. Um, so about all the commentary, I'll stay there. Um, you know, they used to like to have it their control. They do it at their park. They do it at a, you know, a coaster mania or, you know, or some, you know, or a coaster roller coaster day or somewhere around there in August. Okay. They like to have their control on it. Kind of like Apple. They do it when they want to, not when oh, there's a trade show going okay. on. But I'm guessing what happened there is Zamperla maybe tried to talk them into it. Okay. Uh, or did talk them into it or said, Hey, come on, this will be good for both of us. Or because that, like you said, that's not normal. It's not normal. Right. Cedar Fair themselves. They don't really do this. I mean, there were other Cedar Fair Park. Yeah, I I actually can't Zinger. ever recall yeah. a Cedar yeah. Fair Park it's ever. Common. It's not. Yeah, they just don't do that. Yeah. So it's interesting that Tony was there uh, at the uh, Zamperla booth with that for that announcement. Now uh, there were a couple of. Uh, well, before I get to that, is there anything else you want to say about the trains? The trains we saw. Um, pipeline looked good. Um, I'm, I'm, we'll, yeah. And not not just saying that because that's the company that I might do some work for every year, <laughs> but um, no, I'm really looking forward to Pipeline. Um, Arctic Rescue, in my opinion, was the exact same as Wave Breaker. We did have a Wave yeah. Breaker um, or Intamin press conference in 2016 for Wave Breaker, which opened in 2017. It was kind of the um, exact same, um, just like different colors. Um, about that Intamin press conference, I was hoping for some POVs, but we just got the like the press videos that were released back in September when the rides were announced. I was just hoping for a little more than that. Um, just my opinion. Yeah. And that's another thing that seems like lately with IAPA, you don't get a lot of POVs. Right. Those come separately from the parks. Yeah. And some other announcement usually later, but yeah, usually it's just the trains that we get at IAPA. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, and I agree. Arctic Rescue does. It, it, I mean, it's a, it's a straddle coaster, which is one of Intamin's newer models. And you know, the way that these coaster companies work, and some people maybe, you know, I guess this bothers some people because of repetition, but I get it because it's it's all business, is you see this again and again, you see multiple coaster deals where yes. uh, where a company, a coaster company sells more than one coaster at a time to a given park or park chain. And then it's a five-year deal or a 10-year deal right. or whatever it may be. And then they, those models get released and they get a better deal on it. And again, that, again, is in our best interest because we can get right. more expensive coasters in these parks because they're getting a better deal on these more expensive models because they're buying them in not bulk, but they're buying them, you know, buy two, get one with 10% off or whatever it is, whatever the deals are. Uh, and we saw that, you know, with Premier, with all the Skyrocket 2s and then Icebreaker, uh, you know, we see that with... Um, the coma, uh, the, we now know that it's been two, but the rumors that, that Disney bought three of the, um, the base of the second gen, the newest gen, uh, booster bike type, type coasters, which are Tron light cycle. Right. Uh, and we're now getting the second one here at Magic Kingdom, opening just a few months for you and I here as locals, which is very exciting. And supposedly is a third one that they bought and they just haven't start building it yet and put it somewhere yet but um, again we see this with other chains as well uh so you know the arctic rescue it is wave breaker but it instead right. of being in the ocean it's in the snow which you know yeah. hey that works so and they're getting another one uh although we didn't see it at iapa gardens Williamsburg is getting a straddle coaster as well right um, a little bit different than the other two but yeah so um I wanted to mention just a couple because we're talking about the coaster companies here before we move on to other companies. 
want to talk about a, a few other odds and ends that I noticed and feel free to comment as well. Anything you saw. Look forward uh, to this one. One of the one. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the ones that I noticed that a lot of us saw and it was put on, you know, um, Instagram and Facebook and everything is at Vacoma's booth. They had a uh, working model uh, of part of the most interesting part of, I would say, of the upcoming circuit breaker coaster going to Coda Land. I mentioned Coda Land earlier. I must have uh, missed now, this. Oh, yeah. It was very small. Oh, it, okay. It, 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 I don't know if Vacoma made it with a 3D printer or if they work with Coaster Dynamics, who, you know, has done a lot with commercializing you know, real working coasters, you know, Coaster Dynamics was contracted by uh, Skyline to make what, well, the former working models at the Coaster Cafe at SeaWorld Orlando for Mako and for Kraken. They, those I've not seen work in a while, but it's still cool that they're there and you see that, you know, the whole track and, and the bright colors and the trains and everything. Uh, Coaster Dynamics does a lot of this. I don't know if they did it for Vacoma or Vacoma did it themselves because you can 3D print these things very easily. Uh, but whatever it was, it was cool. And it was, you know, a train and you can see people on the train, uh, almost like little mini tiny, like Lego mini figs, smaller than small than those typically are. Uh, and then uh, the train itself and then on the track and the track tilted. Now the train did not move. It didn't, you know, descend, okay. uh, you know, once the track connected with the rest of the base. But uh, and there was lights coming out of the of the bottom, like the tunnel, which it was going into at the base. So that was kind of a cool little effect. Uh, but it was just showing the tilting mechanism. And okay, I have to say, for me, Michael, uh, I have ridden the only other, well, near vertical at least tilt coaster in the world, which is Battle of Jungle King, that's made by Golden Horse. Um, the tilt was cool. The rest of it, it was very rough. It was like an old arrow coaster. Oh. Um, but I've never been to Vacoma other than, uh, the, um, the Franken coaster at Universal Orlando, Universal Studios, Florida, which, uh, is of course, uh, Escape from Gringotts, which was a cooperation between Intamin who made primary track and the trains, I think along with dynamic attractions, I believe. And then Vacoma did the tilt mechanism, but that of course is not vertical. I never knew that. Yeah, that's, I mean, one fun fact about Universal um, Universal Orlando is the only park chain in the world that has both a tilt coaster and a drop track coaster. Oh, think cool. Yeah. Think about it. So, uh, right. but again, Green Gods is only, you know, I don't know what, 40 degree tilt or it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, not very steep. Now, Circuit Breaker being a full on thrill coaster, that's going to be a vertical tilt, uh, you know, full on 90 degrees. And there is one other coaster in the world, Gravity Max in Taiwan, that has that been there since what, 2006? six or five or whatever it was um i went to that park in taiwan in 2006 and it was closed all day so oh, i really God. want to get on circuit breaker anyway all that stuff yes. i'm but struggling yeah, on circuit breaker before gravity max yeah i'm saying yeah. same yeah i'm not yeah exactly um now me being a big intimate fan me i too. do have to make a statement about intimate's booth they had a gorgeous view, gorgeous, gorgeous picture at the top of the booth there of Velocicoaster showing the most yes. historic role. One of the best pictures I've ever seen of that. It's fantastic. So, I mean, I'm sure you did notice that, right, Michael? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was just gorgeous. Um, then the other thing that I will mention is we already talked about the Axis prototype being there. So everyone's waiting. When is Axis going to get built? Because they've been, you know, showing off now for a few years. I did talk to someone at SNS. Two have been sold, and they're being they're being sold okay. overseas. Okay. 
Cool to know. That's awesome. So, yeah. So is there anything you noticed besides that stuff, Michael? Um, let me just find all the pictures that I posted to my social media. Um, uh, let's see. Just, just um, the B and M, the B and M. Um, I do so much walking that I that I just miss a lot of it. Um, oh, the the, the the small drop tower that um, my friend Clint actually bought for his um, FEC in Virginia. Oh, um, we'll get to yes. those. We'll get to the flat. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, as for the coaster trains, not not much that um that I think I missed. I missed in 2019. There was a Hagrid model. I'll I'll, I'll never forget that one. So you said was it a mock like a mock up of Hagrid? Yes. Oh wow! I I didn't I don't remember seeing that. That yeah. was at Intamin's booth, I'm assuming. Yes, it was Intamin's booth. It wasn't like a reveal or anything. It was just there. Um, I don't know if it was a model right. or, the, or an actual front car. It could have been a real car, actually. Um, I'll never forget that. Oh. Forget that one. That was 2019. Because I was there that year. I yeah. don't remember seeing that. Interesting. That was my first year at IAPA, though. So I was like right. very overwhelmed that year. Yeah, it was so. next to the Pantheon car. Ah, yes, yes, it was next to it. That year. Wasn't that the year that, yeah, that besides the SNS announcing Axis, didn't Intamin announce the Pan Pantheon and uh, the Park Asterix coaster there at IAPO? Park Asterix announcement was 2018, and I'll never forget that. That was at the Intamin booth, and I'll never forget how shocked I was when Intamin released that was those two coasters. Before. That yeah. was 2018. I'll yeah, never forget how shocked I was. Yeah, I'm excited because that's finally opening next year. Right. So I'm hoping I'm going to Europe next year, but not to that part right, of Europe. Yeah. Maybe the year after. But yeah, I'm sure yeah. you'll be there at some point okay. in your life before I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I travel. Hopefully, you'll get over there yes. too. But uh, yeah, yeah. So okay, so that's kind of a good, good kind of overview of the coaster stuff and the coaster announcements. Um, let's talk a little bit about flat rides now yes. you know, again there's their flat ride manufacturers and Perla was there they're both they manufacture both i mean so does Insumen. but some of the some of the smaller companies not necessarily your Insumens, for example um they tend to have some flat rides there um you know and especially things like drop towers and frog hoppers and things like that uh you know that and, and there even are coasters rideable coasters at uh IAP as well, or typically yeah, SBF yeah. Visa. Yeah, Which typically always SBF sold. as one or two. Yeah, oh yeah, always this usually it's sold before even the, the show happens. Like the one this year, oh. it was already already named, it was already sold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh yeah. Well, you know, okay, no, it was named, but I think they put up the sign like the second or third day. So maybe it yeah, it was sold yeah. yet during it went the, show, the third right? day as I think. that. So random fact, yeah. the convention center has a sign shop because I was like how did this sign get made? Because oh. like, I tweeted it, and then a couple of people responded to that tweet saying, oh, no, the convention center has a sign shop to make signs for these purposes. Right. 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 Now, you know, this gets into an area where, you know, we're talking about these rides you actually can ride. You can ride these drop towers and frog hoppers, and you can ride, you know, some flat, other flat rides they have, like midway rides and, and, you know, things like the SBF coaster. And certainly enthusiasts come there to to do that and get their credits you know we right. usually get a credit or two each year but again that's not the main reason for iapa but you know as long as you wait in line you know respectfully i mean there are other people there that maybe are going to ride that i mean it's not like most people have probably ridden sbfs at this point right. you know uh, you know a spinner but you know it, it's 
it's something the SBF probably does. I mean, I'm sure they, they realize that most people that ride it, again, not just enthusiasts, it's just people there at the show that have nothing to do with coasters. And they're like, oh, let's go on a ride. You know, everyone right. loves this industry. Most people like coasters. And they do it. I think I think the SBF does it very nice as a kind thing. And But there's another thing to it. And they're doing it to be, to be nice to people to have something fun to do. Uh, but also, I'm sure that uh, whoever buys that coaster, they get a discount. It's like a demo model. So, you know, there's that. But it's it's just good marketing for them, you know. It gets people to come to their booth and talk to them too. That's a big deal. Uh, so yeah, so there's usually uh, usually it's one coaster ride. There was one this year called Barrels of Fun. Your typical, you know, smaller SBF figure eight uh, spinner. Yeah. No hamster wheel this year. Which right, I was fine with that. That really line for the hamster wheel <laughs> last year was so long compared to the rest of the train. I was so yeah. glad there was no hamster wheel. Yeah, now that they would have done it. Oh, I never, I never, I would yeah. never do that. Yeah, I did it. Like, all, actually, all of us, uh, me and Larry and Gina and I were together most of the time last year. All three of us, we did it. We just didn't like it. It spins too slowly. Okay. It just doesn't have enough rotation to it. So, but, but I mean, other than that, I've ridden a bunch of the SBF spinners, you know, at, you know, a couple of Maniapa and just, you know, out at parks, you know, like spinning, what is it? Uh, the, the, um, spinning parrots, whatever it's called at the island. And, you know, I've done it, you know, I didn't want right. to, um, uh, at uh, Energy Landia this year, you know, just they're all over the place, and um, they're fun. You know, they're they're, they're fun spinners. Um, you know, they're they're nice. You know, Clint has one at his park. Uh, you know, fun on Fredericksburg. They're they're not expensive. They're fairly compact. You can have them indoors at NFEC, so they, they serve a purpose. But but anyways, so you know, again, a lot of the rides you can ride there are not coasters. They're mainly flat rides. And um, the, I'm curious, you know, what your perspective is. But for me, Michael, there were two that really stuck out. Uh, one was an actually a return of, of a amazing ride uh, that was debuted by Zamperla in 2019, which was yes, the Nebula's flat That ride. one. So I did not ride it in yeah. 2019. And so I finally got to ride uh, it this year and I loved it. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, they brought it in 2019. They, uh, you know, I think they brought it back this year because they they know it's a really popular model yes. just getting started selling them there are a number of them out there you know hershey just put one in this year but i think they know it's a good seller and it, it just really gets people to come to their booth it's a good marketing yes. tool so um, i was glad to see them have it again i got to, yeah i shared a video that. of it to my facebook and people were commenting on it saying oh my gosh i can't it's confusing it's so fun to watch but it's so hard to follow and Yes, um, the, the videos of it do yeah. get shared around a lot, kind of like the SNS um, spinning side spinning rides, the forty ones. Oh yeah, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. Well, I think with Netflix, what it is is that it's a fun ride and everything, but the kinetics of it, the movement of it, is is it's almost hypnotic when it's in motion. Yes. The it's mesmerizing. Um, I still have not seen one in the dark, like at a park, you know, during night oh, operation. Yeah. I'd love to see that. Um, I've been to Hershey, you know, this year when they had the one installed there, but I wasn't out there at night. Okay. Um, so, but anyways, you know, at least I have, it's mesmerizing a watcher parks, you know, like at Hershey, it's mesmerizing. Uh, and again, like you said, a really fun ride. It's one of those rides too. It's not, it's not a scary ride. It's not, you know, it's not, I would call it a mile thrill, but it's one of those rides that when you're riding it, it's more forceful than you think it would be. Yes. So I yeah. could feel when I was like going forwards, I could, it felt like the whole ride was like actually going to fall down on me because just the way I was going. Um, but it, it right. was a thrill. I loved it. 
Yeah, and that, you bring up a good point too that it has a cycle of it. I, I'm guessing that it's programmable, like it doesn't have to do this, but at least the demo mode at IAPA, it runs half of it backwards. We rotate backwards and then half we rotate forwards. So it kind of stops in the middle. So, but yeah, again, a fun ride. And again, like all these rides, they, some of them get long lines. And, uh, you know, there's not like there's a VIP line for people no. that are potential buyers. And then there's like a, there's like a Thuzi. I, I kind of think, and the, the things we're going to be talking about at the end, that maybe one of the things I mean to do at IAPA is, and they can do this based on batches and things like that, is have maybe two separate lines. And again, because I'm all about being respectful and I would, I would gladly wait on a separate longer line because that's what's right. And again, and we're, for like, and we're going to get, know, we're going to get to that later in the show with one of our yeah, other topics. Yeah. We're going to get to that. Yeah. And, and actually one of them does have that, but it, it yeah. wasn't based on, you know, enthusiast versus buyers. It was based on a different demographic switch okay. or, or discrimination. But uh, if, if it's what I'm, the one I'm thinking you're mentioning, but what I'm saying is, you know, how, if they could somehow sort out, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're representing a park or a fair, you know, someone that's going to buy a ride, that should be a special bag, badge designation right. that's different from, say, an enthusiast yes. who's lucky enough to attend there because the show is not for enthusiasts. And they, you know, and then enthusiasts, they would wait on the, on the, on, the, on like a, like a regular line standby. And then the, the buyers could go on a fast, fast, right. fast line. And again, some enthusiasts would, would gripe entitlement and all that. And like, why am I waiting a long line? But again, I would say to you, you, it is worth it for you to wait in this long line because you're letting more buyers get on the ride. And those are the people who are going to put these parks that you can go on yeah. every day. That's so, a great way to so, say it. Again, it's the big picture. So anyways, but again, right now, for most part, these just have one line. So again, um, you know, I encourage people just to be respectable. I don't, you know, start marathoning these rides as an enthusiast. Ride it once and move on. There's right. plenty of things to see at I so yes um okay the other main ride and, and there's other experiences i want to talk about but one in particular but the other main flat ride that that all of us in the i i had several friends that were i was with pretty much the whole week we had other friends joining us and you know everyone got to experience this uh and it was the, the big hit of i and that was the um it was from a company called altitude rides and attractions and it was called hammered and it is a kind of an adult, an adult frog hopper, <gasps> steep belt only. Oh, was that the one with the drop tower? Depending on how how hard you hit the hammer, the drop tower goes up. Uh no, 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 oh, no. no. I, think, I think that was the same company, though. No, this is you know what a frog hopper is. Yes, where you kind of get long, you know, kind of like an SNS tower, but not quite a little more forceful, but not as big movements. But anyway, this is like an adult version of a frog hopper. It was like a white tower. And one of the things that was striking about it is it was seatbelt only, no lap bars, yes. no over the shoulder restraints. So you got tons of airtime on this thing. This thing was really fun and not a big towel. I mean, this is something yeah. that easily, I'm sure I didn't ask them, but I bet it's portable. I bet you could have it at like fairs and things yeah. like that. Uh, the company that makes it, um, they, some of the some of our listeners, maybe Michael, you might recognize this uh, and Branson Bigfoot on the strip is like, well, yeah, kind of like a, like a fun spot they have in Branson. Right. And they have, I've not done it. I, I'm hoping to do it. Uh, maybe even if I go for Christmas this year, yeah, future year. Um, that Bigfoot and Strip, they have a seatbelt only drop tower. And that this same company makes that ride. Oh, that's cool. And cool I will say, 
you know, and this frog, yeah, this frog hopper, they have two seatbelts. There's like, they're overlapping each other that click in separately. And yeah, I got tons of airtime on the ride, but uh -huh. I felt also very secure. It was a good combination uh -huh. of safety and, you know, fun factor. And again, in this year, 2022, we're talking about a drop tower like ride. That's important given what happened this year is, you know, if you want to be a ride to be thrilling, it's got to be safe. You've got to be properly right. restrained. And this company does a great job of that with a seatbelt only. So, um, so you did not get to ride that, it sounds like, Michael. I rode it with Erica. Oh, you did? So what did you do? We did. I loved it. It was fun. Um, again, just another drop tower. I rode that one and the, the hammered one. Um, I, I like them both. But yes, I did like that tall drop tower. And it was tall for, um, it, was, it, it was pretty tall. Like yeah. taller, than, taller than, than this Imperla one last year. Yeah, I remember doing that one last year. I bet Erica loved it. She, she felt yes. quite animated with that one. Yeah, she was, yes. Erica. Yeah, she's a character. Got it. Gotcha. So is there any other uh, flat rides you wanted to maybe cover before we move um, on? There was that spinning one um, with the, the planes that was going. Like you had to hit the button, then it would spin upside down twice. My friend got me on that, and I did not like that one at all because I don't like going upside down very slowly. Um, but the hammer one um, where you have to use your strength, and then that will launch the drop tower um i thought that was a great concept that one definitely stuck out to me so tell me about that i missed that one right? i didn't ride it at least so it's a drop tower with multiple people on it is that right six people and then another guest just has to just hit the hammer and then the strength depends on how high the drop tower launches and every time um i saw it being launched it would go like the want walk because it wasn't it, it was not not strong enough on the hammer. I don't know if it was real or not, or if it's a setting to automatically change it. Um, but it, it, was, it was so fun it's to probably, watch. It's probably not literal. Like it doesn't necessarily directly translate how hit, hard you hit the hammer. You're right. How high it, like you're not controlling it. it like you're not giving the power to it, I should say. But right. it's just how hard you hit it makes it go up a certain amount based on right. how hard you hit it. But or maybe maybe there's a setting yeah. for it to always go up a certain height. Um, right, it's interesting that's, concept, that's possible though. too. But it yeah. gets people, it gets people to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely one of those that gets people to get proud. Um, the airplane one I did not do I, because of what you said. I don't like rides that where I'm suspended upside down in yeah. in slow movement. I don't. Yeah, it just that doesn't. Yeah, no, no, thank you. So, okay, very good. Well, there's, you know, we didn't, on the rundown here, we didn't really put this into a specific topic area, like coasters, flat rides, but uh, I kind of maybe call this a miscellaneous experience. It's not, it's not a ride. Uh, it, it's not, it's more than just a show. It's sort of interactive. It's an interactive exhibit. Maybe that's what we call it. Um, this is the only one of these that I did. There's a lot of VR kind of things. And I do Why like VR, but I generally just don't do VR that because there's just so much other things I want to right. focus on. Um, so this interactive exhibit, and I, in another one of my favorites of the show, and I'm actually hoping to interview them here on the podcast, uh, it's from a company called Vortex Aquatic yeah. Structures, which yeah, is an interesting name. And they display, they, they demo, excuse me, their dream tunnel. And a dream tunnel, and again, this is where this being a podcast and a little challenging, but the way I describe this, I was describing, I think, to David the other night, is like Bush Gardens Tampa has something like this where you see these sort of like hemispherical structures, these like 
kind of tunnel walkways that you walk through at parks and they sometimes have lights on them because there's, you know, that there are walkways, there's like the supports as you walk through that outline the the edge of it and they have lights all on them and right they, like steve orlando had one at their festival pathway and, and right. they dress it up for christmas same thing with, with bush gardens um and that's kind of the the first gen version of this sort of thing but with the dream tunnel it's got leds that change colors but it's got speakers but it's also most importantly it's got fog and mist effects yep. and lasers. So the way they yeah lasers too that's right uh, and the way they demoed this, so, so this is, I think, the one you were alluding to earlier, Michael, where to experience this, there were two separate lines. Correct. It was there that was one. There was a regular attendee line, and then there was a press-only line. Now, well, press and potential buyers. Oh, wait, potential buyers was part of the press line? Yes. Is that right? Okay. Well, that, okay, that, that is the right way to handle it because, you know, obviously potential buyers, they should get priority. Press, it's important for them to get priority because they're the ones that are going to cover it. They're just not there, you know, so to speak, selfishly just for them to experience themselves. They're there to talk about it, to write yes. about it, to YouTube about it, to put on the news, to, well, here we are podcasting about it. You know, again, that's a form of press as well. So that what they did make sense. So that, that I noticed that too. Um, and so you waited and then you went inside groups at a time and it was all dark inside. You know, I had tarps covering this kind of makeshift room because IAPA being a trade show is pretty bright. And so they made it dark in there. And then they had this kind of that structure underneath the, the tarps, the black tarps. And right. then they had the mist effects. They had the lighting effects. They had the speakers yes. and the lasers. And they did, I think it was maybe like a five, maybe even more than five minutes. Yes, there um, were five dreamscapes. It's called a red dreamscape, dreamscape, a jungle dreamscape, a couple more, but it was yes. five dreamscapes total, about seven minutes, and then about two or three minutes of resetting. So each cycle was about nine to 10 minutes long. Nine um, to 10 and minutes, then right, it was right. about 12 to 15 people per cycle. And you had right. to get there in the it was morning. Not a huge amount. In the afternoon, well, that line got really long. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was not too bad for me. Yeah. It was, afternoon but maybe so, I was kind of lucky but here's a yeah. random fact about that so i was speaking to one of the people and she said that yeah. last year someone from iapa actually talked to them saying next year you need to have some sort of queue set up because that line last year was so long extending on the floor because it was so popular that um that the vortex was required to set up a queue this year okay yeah because they didn't yeah. have a little bit of switchbacks so maybe that's why i didn't do right. it last year because the line was too long it, it was, was yeah like, oh, i'm not doing that Right. Yeah, because I, right. I remember last year I did like um, first thing, and I, I did it three times this year. Each part was before eleven a.m. I see. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, it's a very impressive. Like you said, it's a, you know, they, they do five different dreamscapes. They're different theming. You know, jungle theming. There was this theme. There was like this red theme, like you know, kind of like a, yeah. like a nightclub. And they're just showing like different ways you different places you could put this different types of events you could use it for what i am most looking forward to about this is and i i would like to see like say a universal orlando do this at volcano bay yes or maybe a holiday world you know some of these better attended water parks where they have the budget for it where they you know where vortex said you can put these as part of a lazy river where you go through like a multimedia section of Lady Laser River and you see these like movies projected on the mist. And you know, you go through the, you know, you got water falling on you and you got the great speaker and the great music playing. And, you know, imagine like a long, even a longer version than what we saw, 
you know, in the real world, you know, with a lazy river, that'd be wild. Right. I'd love to see it one day. Um, I, I'm looking forward to them come back next year. Um, the, the line for it wasn't as long as this year as last year, probably because a lot of people went last year, so they chose not to do it again this year. I see. I see. Okay. So, looks like we've got a question. Yes, I've got a question. I'd like to pop in. And oh, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. You know, from that outside perspective, listening in, um, you know, I'm coming purely from the enthusiast perspective here. I've never had the opportunity to attend IAPA. So this is very much a learning educational opportunity for me. I want to tell both of you, thank you for really reiterating the business side of IAPA. Yeah. Because, you know, just getting on social media, looking at different posts, you can really get mixed views of the purpose of the event and what it's supposed to be. Because, you know, honestly, you know, before listening to this and I heard what Michael said, I was, you know, thinking when I attend for the first time, you know, you can show up in a coaster shirt or whatever, that's fine. And, you know, just listen to this <laughs> has helped me realize you know, that that's, this event is so much more than that. It's not, you know, just a coaster enthusiast playground. Actually, that is the right. absolute last thing that the event right. is intended to be. So this has really given me a clearer view, you know, on and, the, and, what the purpose of the event is. Now, my question, I'm sitting here and I'm listening yeah. to you all talk about you <laughs> know, all of the different events, the lengths of lines and that sort of thing. For somebody like me, when I get to attend for the first time, you know, that's going to be a pretty big deal, you know, having to make travel arrangements and that sort of thing. How many days would you recommend, I guess, at minimum attending the event to really be so, able to get the full experience? I am so glad you asked this question. Right. So, um, <laughs> yes, you are right. On social media, you don't see how you miss over half of what I have as well, like those educational seminars, which aren't on the trade show floor. They're in All the you see rooms, is the, the convention center. Stuff. You don't see that. All, you don't see the yeah. food, the VR, the the training departments, like the lockers. You don't see that on social media. Um, but for a first timer, I'll talk about my first time back in 2014. I was 22 years old. I knew no one. I knew, I didn't know what IAPA was. I did wear a dress shirt and dress pants. Um, I knew no one. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was like taking books and souvenirs. And um, for a first timer, I definitely recommend. No more than two days. Um, but Kim, you know so many people that you would definitely want two full days. But for a first timer, if you only know one or two people, I'd say one time is enough for the first year. But for Kim, you would definitely want two. Okay. So, and can so, I just ask what your reasoning is behind that? Because for me, I was thinking, you know, first timer, you'd want to come and stay longer, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, my first mm -hmm. time on back in 2014, I just didn't know what but but i had a different situation i knew nothing about what apple was about i knew no social media people i didn't watch any youtube videos i didn't know what to expect so i was happy with one day back in 2014 before it was so popular now with all the social media and everyone knows what it's about all the vloggers all the podcasters and twitter i think everyone should have one and a half days minimum but two days max. I think three days might be a little bit too much for a first timer. Okay. 
So, so Kim, I want to give you my perspective. Yeah, I want to give you my perspective. And also, I mean, Michael, I don't want to speak for you, but I think what Michael is getting at by kind of putting a max on it is IAPA is actually pretty tiring and it's, it's overwhelming. Yes. And so if you were to try to go for like all the days of the event, especially the first time, it, it, it's almost overload. It's almost too much physically, yeah. mentally. That makes perfect um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now the other, now my answer is different than Michael's and, and, and it's the same spirit, but I'm going to, I want to answer a little differently. And what I mean by that is, is how many days to go is really a function of, of how much you want to do. What is your focus? Right. Now we are talking and, and we're almost at the end. We've got one more main topic to talk about here about kind of the main things that I have. I mean, one of the things we're actually not really talking about. It's a, a separate topic is the games. They have all kinds of arcades. Oh yeah. You can play like, you know, you know pinball and, and, um, uh, um, you know, uh, air hockey and all, all the any game. You're like oh. David Buffy, they have a lot of that stuff there. So actually yeah. well, I, I was with my friend. It was his first time. And I walked in with him. The first thing he said, this is like a Dave and Buster's. Yeah, it's like a yeah. giant Dave and Buster's. So, I mean, and theoretically, you know, if like you're really into arcade games, you could spend all three days there, four days there. Exactly. But, yeah. but um, you know, this year, we, we, I didn't play any games because other stuff I was doing. But there is a lot. But we, we're not going to really talk much about really more about games than that. But again, we're going to have one more area, which does take some time. And I want to be clear about, you know, you know, how you should do this stuff, but we'll get to that. But, you know, Kim, all these topics, you know, the coaster companies, uh, all the different, you know, the rides you can ride, that's the things to see, you know, the, the, the immersion things, the, uh, you know, immersive experiences, the real reality, there's bumper cars as well, there's flat rides and all this stuff. So, you know, all of that is there. And then if you want to see some of the announcements, we'll talk more about the announcements at the end, actually, the press conferences, as they're called. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's a whole nother layer of IAPA. And the whole other layer, and I think this for you, Kim, knowing you as a person, as a friend, and your personality would be a big one for you. And it's the social aspect of that. Yes. I'm not talking about the networking. That's another part. You know, I have a lot of new people this year, but I did that because of the primary that I was at IAPA. Again, not to enjoy the rides, not to have fun. I was there for the podcast uh, to basically to network for the podcast and get us some interviews for our upcoming season. And for listeners, and for that matter, for anyone from the app that's listening to this uh, to this episode here, this podcast that we're recording, uh, Apple last year, uh, again, went there for that same reason. And it was very fruitful. In fact, one of our biggest interviews yet for this podcast ever, and our season two premiere, I was able to um, get that interview booked because of going to Apple last year and having a great brief meeting with Jay Kilcup from RMC. And he was our first guest for season two. Now, this again trends into this big topic of proper IAPA etiquette. Now, I'm not going to name the podcast because I don't want to name names, especially for things that I don't think are right. But back in, I think it was 20, I think, I think it was last year, is that last year, 2019, uh, at the Dynamic Attractions booth, and a certain podcast did an interview right there with John K. George, who 
who is uh, the uh, the head of PR, very nice guy, known personally at at um, Dynamic Attractions, and they did an interview with him and, and with the president of uh, of Dynamic Attractions at the time, and it was like a 15, 20 minute interview. Now, again, I'm not gonna name of the podcast is, but I don't think that's pro- that's appropriate. Because again, Dynamic Attractions is primarily there to sell. Now, yes, they'll give press interviews because they want to, you know, and there are people from the press there. Arthur Levine is there every year, et cetera. But here's my opinion. I don't have to be at IAPA to do an interview. It's loud at IAPA, number one. It's a lot of background noise. All I need to do at IAPA is just to figure out who I'm going to talk to, who is the right contact, right. get the business card, meet them briefly, you know, make a connection. And what I tell everyone, and I did this last year, this year, et cetera, I say, you know, look, I'm not going to take up your valuable time here at IAPA for an interview. All I'm going to do is just figure out who I should reach out to after the show is over. I'm accentuating that for a reason. And we'll schedule an interview for a time that works well for both you guys and us. And that way it turns what could have been a 15, 20 minute longer interview into a, what, two minute 30 second, whatever, you know, less than a minute conversation. Right. Yeah. So that's the making, but, but Kim, you know, and you know, if you were to go next year, you know, you certainly might try to try to make some good context for the podcast like that. And that's the approach I recommend, but more importantly than that, as far as how much time would be taken up is the, is the social aspect of all the friends you're going to run into there. I mean, exactly. I've so many friends. Absolutely. I, I see way, people at IAPA that I don't see every year, like only at IAPA. It's my favorite time of yeah, the year. Because again, the socializing. People, yeah. People, people come in from all over the world. I've got, you know, yeah. I've got friends all over the world. You and guys, you know, that's you know the, enthusiasts everywhere. That's the part of this whole, you know, activity that I enjoy the most. Yeah. Every time I go anywhere, I just continue to meet more and more people that, um, join my circle, my network of contacts. And uh, that's one of the aspects of IAPA that I'm looking forward to the most when I get to attend. Yeah, I didn't start knowing a lot yeah, of people now, until like 2016. Yeah, yeah. Now, another etiquette thing, because again, I really want to drill this home because there's, there's, some, it, there's, well, there's some issues that came up this year. So I really want to emphasize the etiquette stuff. The etiquette applies even to... People that don't work for the parks, don't work for any of the exhibitors, the coaster companies, et cetera, that you run into there, it's friends. Now, some of these booths are larger than others, but what I saw again and again is people, again, I'm not going to call out names, but enthusiasts that were there that were making it a big social thing and having drinks and stuff and taking up the space of exhibitors' booths. Wrong. That is rude and inappropriate. If you're going to be in an exhibitor's booth, fine. If you're talking to an exhibitor as an enthusiast, hopefully you're talking to them briefly. Or if you're taking a picture, you've gotten permission from that exhibitor to take that picture if you're a regular attendee. And take that picture quickly. If they let you sit in the car so kindly, get it done quick and get out of that booth. Do not be loitering and hanging around these booths. That space is there for people from parks to visit those exhibitors and, and work on business deals and buy attractions that benefit all of us. Again, I'm beating a dead horse, but it's an important dead horse. So what the proper thing to do, and this is Kim, this is what you should be doing, is you run into friends, fine, hang out off to the side of the aisles. Just like we do at parks, we hate the people, the line of people that block the midways. 
You know, they should, why don't those people off to the side if they're just hanging there? Again, stay off to the side. Don't block traffic. Don't block the booth space. So again, it's all about common sense, really. But again, the, the idiotic and inappropriate and rude, selfish things that I see at IAPA. Again, we haven't even gotten to the worst of it. We'll get to that later. But so anyway, back to your question, Kim. Um, you know, I think for you, because of how social you are, you, I think you'd want to go definitely these two days, probably three days, just so you had, you know, have time, you know, to, to really do all this stuff. But well, thank you. If for that. you heard this, yeah. And if you heard this, and this goes to anyone in the audience, if you heard us talk about all this stuff and you're like, I don't care about seeing coaster trains, I don't care about flat rides. You know, only that dream tell interests me. And I only want to maybe see some people and maybe socialize. One day is enough. If you're only there for a couple of reasons, couple, or if you only care, care about the coaster cars, again, one day is enough. But if you want to do a lot of this stuff, that's where two days, you know, multiple days comes in. Um, so the other thing I'll mention just, and, and, and Michael, if you have any commentary on this. Yeah, is I have two stories for later. Yeah. That, so the way I have works is, and this is a lot true with a lot of trade shows, it's by design, is the first three days, the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, are full days, 10 to 6. Yes. And then the last day ends early at 4, and that is partly so that the exhibitors can pack up at the end of the day for the smaller booths that get all that done that first afternoon. And so the show ends early. So the last day of the show is probably the worst day to go if you're an enthusiast and so forth, because it's a shorter day, so you're going to get less right. bang for your buck. And the exhibitors, quite frankly, they're worn out. I they mean, are. if you know, Kim, you know, we talk about you being tired as an, as an attendee. I have been to many trade shows as an exhibitor, not IAPA, and it is tiring to stand there eight hours a day and talk and talk and talk. So those exhibitors, they're worn out that last day. So I recommend going the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, or some combination, you know, subset. So, Andrew, so Michael, I'm you so you glad you brought stories. that up. Okay, so I'm so glad yeah. you brought up the Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday. As I said, I'm going to Apple sure. for eight years. I've never gone to Apple on that Friday. I never have. And I want to keep that record going. I've never gone on Friday. Never. I just get everything done by Thursday. Um, then I got to get back to work and my main job. Um, but yeah, I always recommend Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. A lot of the people from the parks are usually there on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, and then usually the deals are done by Wednesdays on Thursdays are good days um, to chat with the exhibitors, um, at least from the experience that I have. Um, I was saying in our chat, I have two examples about um, behavior at IAPA that I'd love to um, bring up in here. Um, the first one is a good example sure. about how you, um, an example of my a good friend of mine um, who I met at IAPA in 2017, he spoke to B&M um, and he had a question for B&M about the surf coaster. And he asked, is the surf coaster a replacement of the stand-up coaster? Which as we know, the last model of the stand-up was in 99. And yes, B&M yeah, answered yeah. that question just fine because you the last thing you want to ask is what ride is coming to this park in 2024? Do not ask right. that. Never ask that. Right. Of course. Of yes. course. Um, one now here is a bad example. Um, again, not naming names. Um, with, with premier rides, um, it's my favorite booth. I give them pins every year. Um, they're, they're pretty cool. Um, I, I've chatted with them every year. Someone literally went up to them and told them, I don't like your comfort cars. Get rid of them. That is not something you should say to anyone at Booth. Right. Don't say that. Right. right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, you have to be careful with opinions and all that. I get that. So, Michael, you mentioned uh, something else in the, in the chat here. 
You mentioned something about another podcast or is that a, something separate you want to talk about? Oh, that's something separate. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. I will talk about it. Okay. Well, continuing on here, uh, I did want to, uh, again, thank everyone who's joining the live stream here. And we do have some questions. Um, PO, thanks for everyone for joining us. POV rides to you. Uh, would like to know our favorite train reveal. Now, specifically speaking, I didn't go to any train reveals, and that You're right. I did not see it a single one. But um, I don't think Larry yeah, and Gene would have really enjoyed that. Um, I know you were with them a lot, and Cameron. I don't think they would have well, enjoyed there, seeing all that. There are other reasons why. That, well, That's we'll talk got. about this in, in another context in the end, but. I don't go to the press conferences because there is crazy crowds right. and there are so many people there that shouldn't be there. Again, the, the right, the audience issue. And it's just, I don't like supporting it. It's I don't need to see the trains right when they're revealed. It doesn't matter right. to me. I can go look at them respectfully and professionally without blocking other people, without causing problems when the, press conference is long over because right. it, it may be obvious to the audience but these trains it's not like they're just there for the press conference and they hide them away again or take them away they're there the whole show i mean exactly. these things are holy they can't just move them easily so you can see them the whole week up until 3 59 p.m on friday they were there the whole time in fact that's probably the one good thing that friday is for is easy to get to see the trains and, and for the ones you can sit in to get your pictures because it's not very busy but there is no reason, in my opinion, this may be controversial, that any enthusiast, including your YouTubers, so beyond regular enthusiasts, you know, your influencers, your, your YouTube uh, vloggers and whatnot. I'm sorry, guys. You don't need to be getting these things on YouTube first. It's ridiculous. It doesn't matter. You want to get the good photos of it without a crowd there or a nice video of it, maybe panning around it when there's not a lot of people there. And who cares if you're five minutes late? It doesn't matter. And why am I making a big deal of this? Well, again, we'll get to this at the very end. So um, so that anyway, so my favorite, not train reveal, but my favorite train at, at um, oh gosh. Well, first of all, Axis, because I really want to see one of those built in the US, but that doesn't really count because it wasn't a train reveal for a specific park. I... I really like the Zambezi Zinger train. Uh, it, it, by the way, uh, one thing we didn't mention is the Zambezi Zinger trains. It looks like they have some newer, more comfortable lap bar restraints from Z GCI. I didn't even notice so, that. Uh, yeah, they look. We were, yeah, Larry and Tina were noticing that when we were briefly looking at train. And uh, yeah, it, lo it looks like it's. Uh, it looks like they're different. They're more like contoured and comfortable. Like maybe we're just all crazy but i i think i think that's the case um, but the train itself looked pretty cool um not to say anything bad about the other trains but i really like the look of those trains um what about for you michael was it the surf coaster was that your favorite yeah surf coaster was my favorite i'm um, just because it's something new and that was the only new thing that i saw this year so that was definitely my favorite gotcha gotcha yeah no I, I will have to say so I just wanted to pipe in for just a minute. I'm actually very curious oh, yeah, yeah. about the uh, surf coaster. At first, you know, I'm going to be honest. When I saw it, I was like, ah, you know, just another stand-up. I didn't think it was going to be really something I'd want to give a second look at other than to give credit. But after looking at the pictures that I've seen posted for my APA with the restraint and everything, it actually looks far more comfortable. 
yes. than the ones I've been on. And, you know, the fact that the whole, the whole mechanism is pretty much, you know, going to move with the ride. I right. think it actually might provide a far better experience than a lot of people are expecting. I think a lot of people may be underestimating this coaster. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not saying that I think it's going to be a guarantee, like, you know, very comfortable ride. I'm not saying that, but I think it will be an improvement over the, you know, most recent standups, like Michael mentioned, like Riddle's Revenge, um, which actually still doesn't ride awfully. I mean, I think it rides pretty well even to this day. I mean, maybe I'm crazy for that, but not the most comfortable thing in the world. But, right. you know, it's not the end of the world either. Um, but um, I think the kind of springiness of it, the flexibility and sort of how the, the give that mm -hmm. the cars have, the vest restraints, I actually think BM vests are pretty good um, overall, better than over the shoulders. Um, it still has the bicycle seat. So again, that's where that springiness and the suspension, yes. quote unquote, of the train. Hopefully, that's enough, especially for us guys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll see. I mean, we'll we'll find out. You know, March, April, probably next year. So, um, but again, not my favorite train there. But I thought the colors were really pretty. I mean, it's a really for a stand up train. It's pretty cool looking. So, um, we have another question. This is from Mark from or maybe from Natalie. Either Mark Natalie from M and M Amusements. Uh, let's see, from our in-person experience, what are some general questions that park reps ask about rides when they, that they have purchased from manufacturers? Um, Michael, this is definitely more of a you question than me, if you even know this. Yeah. Say that again. He wants to know what questions park reps ask the manufacturers about rides that they purchased. And this may not be at IAP okay. specifically, although... It, yeah. Uh, um, the first one that, so if I was a park and if I was buying a ride, um, I'd probably ask how much can we work out a deal? Can we work out a multi-park deal? Um, when can we get it? Um, how much labor do you think it'll take? Um, those are the, those are the questions that I would think of. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. A lot All of the right. big well, parks are some... probably making purchases for 2024. That, right. This yeah. is not for next year. These are usually no. a couple of years ahead, if not more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got a few more topics to discuss here and then the big, the big topic at the end. But uh, first of all, there's one more topic to cover about the trade show itself that actually happens at the convention center. And this is another one where respect is important. So the food vendors. Yes. So, like I definitely, definitely want to go over this. So like we talked at the beginning, anything that you can think of that goes into building a theme park, imagine like a real life roller coaster tycoon, food is included with that. So food is a thing. And there are all sorts of different food vendors, you know, hot foods, prepackaged foods, you know, everything from popcorn to Dippin' Dots to, uh, to uh, um, the, what's the competing company for Dippin' Dots, the Melts, they're there too, I forget the name of that company but um you know there's there's pizza and pretzels and and i've seen french fries some some years you know things like that there's all sorts of and again you generally can get samples oh yeah back 2019 there was a french fry company with different seasonings they were selling the seasonings oh yeah, cool yeah. all right now for me uh two of these companies were their previous years i don't know this third one but these were the standout ones for me but actually before i even get to that i want to cover the important topic which is the respect aspect 
So pretty much the rule I have my app is if there's a long line for something, I'm not doing it. Now, one, because it's a long line. But two, come back back at 10 o'clock next morning. Yeah, come back later, you know, whatever. Yeah, is it it really matter that much? Yeah. Because number one, I don't want to wait a long line. But two, more importantly than that, the longer the line, the more likely it is that me as as a not buyer, okay, non buyer, I'm yeah, I'm there as press, but still, I still as press, I don't consider myself the primary audience, and that we're not the primary audience. It is the buyers. Uh, I don't want to take away a space from a buyer. So if it's a short line, okay, that's respectful because it's a short line. You know, it, people are. I'm not preventing people from getting to something. So the line that can get the longest are the food lines. So typically, you know, again, skip the food lines when they were busy. Um, the food star, the big star at IAPA is Ben's pretzels. Yes. For me. Which did have a Ben's very pretzels. long line. I um, mean, they, they ran out of pretzels a lot of times. Um, I, I was yeah. actually with my yeah. friend. Um, he's listening to this podcast right now. And we were, he was with me when we, when, when they ran out, but you know what? It's expected as long as you are nice about it and don't, get angry when they run out and you're next in line. Um, yes. It just never does happen. Yeah. Yeah. They run out. You got to be patient. You got to wait for the, wait your turn. You know, again, that is a long line, but typically, you know, I've waited a long line for it and typically only got shorter lines. Again, shorter line for Ben's right. is still somewhat long, but, um, but again, be respectful. Always, I always thank them. Yes. Uh, and I do have to say that because of sampling Ben's pretzels uh, for the first time last year, I now get them in the parks where I wouldn't have before, like um, oh yeah, the Holiday World. Uh, cool. Now I will say that the best pretzels at Holiday World—they're great. They're very good pretzels. They're almost up there with what I consider the pinnacle of park pretzels. It's been a funny topic to talk about, which is Disney pretzels. Disney's make their <laughs> great pretzels. Disney's pretzels—I know you're a big pretzel fan, Mike. They're more of like your kind of like darker, like more well-cooked kind of pretzel. Yes. Versus Ben's, what makes them special is they're more buttery. They're a buttery type pretzel. Yes. You know, with salt and all that. And the ones at Holly World that I had where I, I bought, you know, they're very good. But I will say this, you know, for people that get to go to IAPA, the ones at IAPA are the best you'll ever have because they're fresh. You're getting them fresh out of the oven and they're all buttery and they're, and they're really good. And what's nice is you're not pigging out because they're not giant pretzels. They're like a no. smaller size pretzel. Yeah. Perfect to, to taste. So uh, then the other two things, and I'm curious to see, you know, if there's other things you want, you're, you like there a lot, Michael, um, is, and I saw them there last year. And I plan on giving this company my business because they are actually working on a home version of their of their oven. So this is a company called Donna Italia, and they are this. a pizza company. Yeah, they're a pizza company. They're right near Ben's this year. Oh wait, were they're they the ones company. like by the gaming area and like the top, like one of the corners? Like by no, the games? that okay. was a different one. Okay, no, that was a different one. So Donna Italia, they're a pizza company, and they what they do is they have pizza ovens that can cook multiple pizzas. Yeah, and these are these are not like giant you know, 20 inch pizzas. These are, I think maybe 10 inch or 14 inch pizzas. Uh, and they, you can cook multiple ones at once and they're for parks to serve, you know, okay. for a pizza for two people, or maybe a smaller one for you know personal pizza. Uh, they're coming out with like a single oven version, like a single at a time pizza version for home use. And they're actually trying it right now in Israel of all places. And if that goes well, they're going to sell elsewhere in the world. So, and I do, I would like to buy one of these because these pizzas, they're awesome. Now the way it works 
is the parks, you know, they buy the oven or they rent the oven or however they get it. And then they buy the pizzas. I think they're pre-made um, frozen, as I recall, from Donatalia. And they get shipped to them like a meal kit. And they just throw them in the oven. And they're, and they're really good pizzas. I mean, they are like the best frozen pizzas cool. I've had. Um, so, uh, again, really highly recommend them. And I'm hoping to get the, the home version. Uh, there's Mark in the chat saying Ben's pretzels are great. They've had them in Holiday World. So another plus for thumbs up for Ben's. The other one I noticed, I don't know if they were there previous year. And I just love these guys. I think they're based out of Tennessee, but I might be mistaken. Is Chocolate Moonshine. Now, oh, okay. chocolate, make some moonshine like flavored things. But a lot of their products are not alcoholic. They're, you know, no alcohol in them. Um, and what they had in particular there is they have all kinds of like homemade fudge, you know, or not homemade, fresh made fudge. Like like pretty much every theme park these days has a fudge shop, you know. But these these this fudge, I still have some here. I, I, they actually sold it the last day and I got, uh, I wasn't there last day, but uh, Jean was and she got some for me and I gave her some money for it, which is really kind of her to pick it up for me because I couldn't be there last day. Uh, and they make all kinds of flavored fudge. I got the um, creme brulee. I love creme brulee. And it tastes just like creme brulee. And the strawberry cheesecake. And I tried a few other flavors, too, because you can sample it on the show floor. And this place, they had, like, the best fudge ever. Really, really good. Cool. Uh, order from them on the web. So, you know, we're, you know, again, I try to help, especially with these. They're so kind of the samples. So I encourage people to get your Ben's pretzels. You know, get your Donatalia pizza if you see it at parks and, you know, go to Chocolate Moonshine's website and uh, check out their products and order some uh, some of their candy, their fudge and all that from them. Uh, and, I'm, and I don't know what parks they're in, but, you know, I'm sure you'll see them in parks, too. Um, so that's the food. Anything you want to add to the food, Michael? Yeah. So a few things about the food um, that, I, that I've been thinking over the past few minutes. Um, so a lot of people say. Oh, I'm just gonna eat the food on the trade show floor for lunch. I'm just gonna have popcorn and pretzels and that for my f no. The um the stands have um on each side of the show floor. There's like there was um crepes. There was hot dog stands. One of the sides uh, one of the sides of the floor has like actual restaurants with like real food. I always recommend people have um some of that food. It, um, it, it's actually cheaper than the food you'll find in the parks. Uh, Nathan's hot dog was only six fifty. Um. Yeah, so I definitely I, I had a few of those throughout throughout um throughout the show. I, I recommend getting the actual food in the, the center just because you'll be walking at least twenty thousand steps. So you, you do need real food. Um, if you're talking to a manufacturer, like don't eat food at the same time. Just like take the food, oh stand by. Yeah. Don't walk <laughs> through the aisle and eat the food at the same time. Just like stand in one place and eat it. Yeah, yeah. No, those are all very very apropos, Michael. Uh, and, and I have to say, for those of you that are listening that maybe have been to a trade show before, uh, you know, again, I've been to a lot of different trade show halls and convention centers around the world. And, you know, sometimes, and maybe this is what you're thinking, they don't have good food options. But I have to say the Orlando Convention Center, at least during IAPA, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, if they change things or offer more things for bigger shows like this, but they have really good food options. Yeah. Uh, and like Michael said, they have all over the edge of the... Uh, convention center, you know, different, like almost like cafeterias and there's like, you know, Papa John's, all these, you know, neat, like neat yes. hot dogs, you know, neat brand things. So there's plenty of options. So uh, there, absolutely. There was a Chick-fil-A so, there yeah. one year in 2015. There was a Chick-fil-A because that was the year I took my stepbrother, oh, which wow. is 2015 and we had Chick-fil-A together. I'll never forget that. Wow. Yeah. Now, I'm Kim, Kim, I think you had something. Yeah, you had one. 
Yeah, well, there's actually a couple of things I'd like to chime in with here. First sure. of all, you know, um, me personally, one of the things I'm always looking for, and I'm curious, you know, if they had any of this at this year's convention. If not, it's something I would definitely love to see. I, I'm the one in the amusement park always looking for the healthy food options that taste good. And right. uh, there's actually, mm-hmm. I've gotten into some different chats and, you know, that sort of thing. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, are on the health kick like I am that look yeah. for the ver- look for the same things. Right. So I'm curious to see if you all have seen anything like that there. If not, that's definitely something I would love to see in the future. I don't remember seeing a lot of like food focusing on healthy, unfortunately. I just remember yeah. like the popcorn. I know there were beaver tails in the past, which a lot of people loved. Um, yeah. I don't I can <laughs> recall any like yeah. I know. I can't really recall any healthy specific food. Okay. That's something. Yeah, I so Kim, put in the little, put in the little yeah. there. So, and I think another reason for this. So, so there are food vendors there, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you're not. It's not a comprehensive collection of food vendors. There's a smattering of them. Like in other words, the parks. You know, a lot of parks they do in-house food anyway. But you know, there's other vendors out there that don't bother going I happen. And my guess is the reason for this is there are food industry specific trade shows. Yeah. So what likely happens is the um, see that's not even something I was aware of. I don't know that either. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. I've not been to one, but I mean, cause it doesn't, I don't, it doesn't fit what I do. You know, I'm not in, I don't work in the food industry. I don't cover the food industry, but I, I know I've heard of these things. Um, I'm guessing like the catering department of parks will send a few reps to these food trade shows and they'll get food ideas and you know, new products that are coming out things like that. So it's just, you know, you see your cotton candy, your popcorn, your pretzels, your core, your core snack kind of things um, that are so you know, entrenched with theme parks, you know, fudge, you know, everyone at all parks have fudge shops, you know, those kinds of things is what you'll see at I have, but you're not going to see the whole menu. Well, thank you for clarifying that. And I was just glancing through the uh, questions in the live chat. It looks like there's one from Ruben in here. Oh, Ruben, I missed Ruben. Yeah. So Ruben, yeah, what's Ruben got here? What have we seen at IAP? What did you all see at IAPA that's actually been implemented in parks? Oh, oh yes. Cell phone charging. Oh, lockers. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cell phone charging lockers. I'll never forget. Um, those actually were, were at Bush Gardens the year after. It was in the 2016 or 17. Um, the next year after IAPA, we had cell phone charging lockers at Segura Cafe. They were temporary, but I remember being told those are from IAPA. Right, right. Yeah. So, Ruben, by the way, thank you for joining us. Actually, Mark as well, uh, Swiss Coaster Enthusiast, and uh, Ruben Torren on Instagram. They're two friends from Europe. Mark is from Switzerland, and the Swiss Coaster Enthusiast, and Ruben is from the Netherlands. And I'm laughing here a little bit because Ruben, understandably, he asked what time we're going to be live streaming and starting here at 6 p.m. We started today, Eastern time. And they're six hours ahead there in Switzerland and Netherlands. And so after midnight, Ruben did not like that. But thank you, Ruben, for staying up late. Yeah, coffee or whatever you did to stay up late. So appreciate that. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. So any other food things, Michael, or any other questions, Kim, before we continue? No, that's all I have for now. Thank you. Okay. Not about the food. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that kind of ends the trade show part. And there's a couple other topics. One of them is what happens at the end of the for Yes. Now for a lot of people, they just, you know, go to dinner with some friends that they have there. Again, you run into all sorts of friends, go to the parks. Uh, but for the people, the exhibitors, uh, for the buyers, they get to go and again, very exclusive. Uh, they get to go to the after hours parties. Now, some of them, again, are very exclusive. Uh, some friends of mine that work in film production and they work with all the parks and all the manufacturers, they they know everybody. They get invited to a lot of these parties. Uh, I did not go with them because, again, it's very exclusive. It's for you know, only for buyers or people, partners that these companies work closely with. And they're at like you know, penthouse suites and hotels and rooftop decks mm. and all kinds of alcohol and food. There have been ones with, you know, buying out parks, water slides for like the water slide manufacturers and things like that. Um, all sorts of crazy stuff. So that all kinds of wild parties happen. Now there's two other parties that happen that are a little more accessible to the rest of us. Um, one of them is a free party. And I want to thank uh, the folks at GCI Claire and his family, uh, for those of you who don't know, Claire is the owner of GCI, Great Coasters International. Uh, GCI is actually a family-run company. Uh, Claire and his two sons and daughter, his daughter Olivia, very nice. I got to meet her for the first time this year. Very, very nice family, very nice people. They 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 run the, uh, the uh, GCI along with other employees that they have that are not in the family, but it's a family-owned company uh, from Pennsylvania. Very nice people. And as part of them being very nice people... Each year, they host a after-hours VIP party at Funspot Orlando, where, of course, GCI has the awesome, uh, I call it the best little GCI that exists. Uh, and it's a white lightning, great little, fun little GCI that, that Funspot and GCI keep up very, very well. That also, that coaster is famous because it was the first coaster for the testing of Titan Trap. So that has the very first Titan Track that was installed uh, by GCI back in uh, 2020. And they have that party every year. And, you know, again, they invite people. And again, it's some enthusiasts get to go to it. I'll just say that much. It's not as exclusive. And GCI is very, very generous, you know, because they buy food and there's alcohol and there's drinks. Uh, But it is is an invite-only event. But again, you know, it's enthusiasts get invites. Do not count on that. Do not expect that. Do not go to IAP expecting that. Get an invite. Be very thankful and be sure to thank Claire and his family. Uh, and again, it's a fun party. Michael's been to it. I've been to it. It's a great networking event. You get into, you know, get on the rides there at Funspot Orlando. Uh, it, it's just a great, great uh, social hour, you know, like a happy hour after IAPA on one of the days. Um, so, Michael, before we get to the other, other main after hours party, do you want anything else about the GCI? Yeah. So the first year I was able to go to GCI or got invited was in 2018. That was my fifth IAPA at the time. So it took me five years of going to IAPA before I started getting invited to these events. Um, But, you know, it's very fun. A lot of people that I don't get to see in in the trade show floor, I do get to see them at the GCI party every year. I'm at one ride on on White Lightning, but the rest of it, I'm busy talking to um, my friends like you, Larry and Gene and everybody else that that I don't get to see during the show. It's like, it's more of, it's more of a social event for me rather than just getting a free pass to go to fun spot. 
Yeah. And actually it is that very much that way for me because it's kind of like um, for Kim, for your reference, because you've been to say Hollywood nights, it's kind of like going to that where yeah, you're getting on rides yeah. and all that. Uh, although there's no trim lift rides at Fun Spot, <laughs> but but you know you're getting some you know some complimentary food again, so kind of GCI to pay for that. Uh, but you're just you know socializing, you're talking to friends, and you know like you mentioned, Michael, some friends that I I wound up seeing during half a week, I only see at that party. Right. Uh, one of the most most common ones for that is uh, Drew Drew Fisher from uh, Julian. Oh right, yes. In the loop. Yeah, he's a great, great, great guy. Nice friend. Um, very good guy. And so it's nice seeing him. And I usually run into him there uh, amongst other people. So, yes, it's a, it's a fun little event. And it's awesome that GCI makes that happen for, for a lot of us. So um, now there's one more type of party that I want to talk about. And this is more yes. accessible to the public. And Michael has done this one year. Um, now, this party this is kind one. of a dual party. Yeah. So this is called the IAPAS Celebrates events that they have each year. And it's at, it's a partial or full park buyout at a local park in Orlando. And it's generally not going to be a fun spot. It's going to be, you know, a SeaWorld level or above, you know, Disney yes. Universal, that sort of thing. And the way this works, is kind of a dual kind of thing. It's either you pay for it and IAPA members, because yes, IAPA is a trade organization. It has thousands of members. And if you're a member of IAPA, you get a discount. If you're yes. not a member, and IAPA is really nice about this, hopefully they continue this in spite of the behavioral issues that IAPA had this year, non-members can go as well. They have to pay a little more money. Yes. Or the, and I don't know how this all works, but you know, the, the bigger exhibitors, the ones that have a lot of trade show space, you know, your instruments and things like that. Um, I don't know if they just buy bulk passes or if they're given some. I don't know how that works, but I do know that the exhibitors in some cases give out passes to Correct. VIPs, to people they consider very special. Again, an enthusiast, you do not go up to, you know, Daniel or Michelle at Instrument and say, oh, of uh, my favorite coaster is Velocicoaster, which mine is. But again, I would never go up to them and say, hey, my favorite coaster is Velocicoaster. Can I get a pass into the party? That is rude, inappropriate, unprofessional. These are the kind of tickets, these free tickets, that you are given one without asking for it. Okay. Do not ask for free things at IAPA like that. Uh, but most people, like Michael uh, and and uh, other friends that I've known that have gone to these events, they're paying for it, and that's that's fair. You're paying for a ticket. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with Universal Orlando, you've heard of the um, uh, the the buyout events that happen there. Sometimes companies buy out Universal uh, or. Um, the uh, what's the name of the there's the local magazine, the Orlando Informer. Uh, yes. They will do buyouts for the public, but you have to pay for tickets that you through our Orlando Informer to get an after hours event. It's kind of like going to a Mickey's Very Many Christmas party or something like that. Um, but again, you're paying for it. So, Michael, uh, what in 2017 you did the that year's event, which was at Animal Kingdom, right? You paid, yes, for that. correct. Yes, so that was an answer about what that was like. Um, so I've been following the Celebrates Party ever since, um, 2016 when it was at SeaWorld when Mako opened. Uh, I didn't go then. Um, 2017, I, I got a promotion at my current job at the time and it was the best year of my life for a lot of reasons. So I decided to add to that and I paid, I think it was maybe $150 at the time. And it was, uh, an event at Animal Kingdom where it was Pandora, both rides, Everest, a Rivers of Light show at the time. Um, all the, that green and pink drink at, at Pandora with the balls in it. 
Um, and then Satouli Canteen was open and then open bars. Um, at the time, I was actually the only person that I knew there. And I actually was found it very awkward because I didn't know anyone. I was tweeting like, this is the food, these are the drinks. And just kind of felt out of place because I wasn't really there for networking. I just wanted to experience what the event was like. And I was glad I went, but I told myself, you know what? I don't know a lot of people here, so I probably won't do it again. Um, but that was five years ago. Um, the event is, is at wherever um, the new attraction is. So 2021, it was at Star Wars at Hollywood Studios. This year was at um, Iowa with a focus on Velocicoaster. 2019 was at Iowa with a focus on Hagrid's. 2018 was um, USF with a focus on Fast and Furious. I know. Um, <laughs> and Ouch. then uh, 2015, I Drive 360. 2014 was Diagon Alley. Um, so wherever the attraction is, I assume next year it's going to be at SeaWorld because of Pipeline. Um, but now I know a lot more people that go to IAPA. And I, I actually kind of regretted not doing it this year. It would have been $150 for me to go. But I told myself, you know what? I have an annual pass universal. It's not worth it. But then my friends that right. were there, they told That's me, yeah, all, all the butter beer, all the drinks, all the restaurants are open. And you get to ride Tear It on Fire without the child res- restriction. Um, so I really wish right. I went. But not just for that, but just because I knew a lot of people that were going. So I definitely plan to go to the event in the future, even if I do have to pay for it. Right. And um, th- this right. year, yeah. um, the event in Iowa was from 8 a.m. to midnight. The Lost Coaster actually had to close in a half hour early because the line got so long. My friend actually said the line for Hagrid's was really short. He got to ride it three times. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, so Michael, uh, just one, one thing. I just, you know, discussion topic or whatnot. You mentioned that you think next year will be at SeaWorld. I would contest that maybe it'll be at Magic Kingdom. That's what some people have said as well, but I don't, I think Magic Kingdom's very expensive to buy out. Well, keep in mind that the buyouts aren't always the whole park. Right. Yes. So because this year, um, right. Because this year at Iowa, um, Cat in the Hat was not open. Um, a couple other rides, small rides were not open. It was Hulk, Spider Man, not the Flume Ride, Pterodon, Jurassic Park, Forbidden Journey, Hagrid's. Yeah, it's like a little over half. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I would definitely pay for the Magic Kingdom too. It's yeah, my, my Magic Kingdom actually. Yeah, for Matt, I could see, especially with, with Bob Iger coming back, that maybe they would be more and more friendly to doing this. But doing a Tomorrowland only buyout that that Tron, I, of course, I, I would Mountain. pay for that. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the event is so, more uh, that would be, yeah. But the event is more networking focused. You will not see your bloggers, your social media, your tweeters there. You will no. not see any of that. Um, because like press people, they don't get into that event for free. Um, it's mo- it's more of a networking event. Dress shirts, pants. Right. Um, so I really wish it went this year, but I, uh, I'm definitely doing it next year. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a couple couple of friends, a few friends that went to this year's event, the one that was at Island Adventure, and yeah. they had a great time. Again, most of the rides were open, as you mentioned. Uh, but it, you know, it's not ERT either because no. there are a lot of people that go to these events. Believe it yeah. or not. There were 4,000. You and I, you know, yeah, you and I were universal pass holders. We go anytime, which is, again, why right. I didn't bother going. But you have people from all over the world coming to IAPA that never right. go universal. And so, sure, they're going to pay for an after-hours event, just exactly. like people that come from all over the world pay for Disney after-hours events because right. it, it can make financial sense to do that yeah. for, that, for an out-of-town guest. So, but yeah, the few friends that I had go, they loved it. But again, the lines were long for, for Lost of Coaster, but, you know, all the free food. And, and it's not just, you're not just getting, you know, 
um, burger digs, burgers. You're getting no. a lot of food that you don't normally have. You're getting, right. like, you know, shrimp cocktail, and you know, you're getting gourmet yes. food and alcohol and butter beer and. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a nice party, and uh, my friends that went this year really enjoyed it. So yes, um, maybe I'll go in the future. I just have a hard time justifying the expense. Right, these are my local parks that I can go to anytime. Exactly. You and I so, actually we have a friend. He was doing some networking on a job, and um, I don't know which I forgot which exhibitor was, but that exhibitor that he was talking to about a job gave him a pass to go to the party. I was very yes, happy for him. I was so, very jealous. So, and very yeah, happy. I was jealous of him too. And that's yeah. the first we talked about. And he was very lucky. And uh, yeah, some exhibitors have a certain number that they have. And sometimes certain people can't go. And they're kind enough to let someone else go, which is what happened here. Right. And yeah, no, very, very nice. Very nice. Well, a uh, someone in the chat here, uh, New Jersey Coasters. So oh, Kim, did you say you have a question? Uh, oh. Yes, I actually do. Yes, I want to hear this. I think Go it's ahead. going to be Go a. Ahead. I think Go it's ahead. going to be a nice lead into New Jersey coasters question as well. It's actually a okay. New Jersey coasters right. question that gave me the idea for my question. You know, from a first timer standpoint, coming, what is a, I guess a general budget? How much money would you think oh. someone needs to bring in order to be able to oh. really experience the event? Oh, okay. Um, you mean out of state? I'm going to assume this person came from out of state because I'm from out of state. That's why I'm asking from my standpoint. All right. Um, I I was very lucky. So with Andrew and then we'll help you as well. If you come in the future, Andrew and I did not have to pay for our, um, for our admission to the trade show. Um, We were, um, we had exhibitor tickets because we know the right people and going for long enough. And you were press. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. So I, I last year and this year I was press, but yes. And Michael, as Michael, and please continue. But you, as you were talking about, yes, there are exhibitors also uh, can have can host a number of guests. Yes, right. So I, I'm very grateful um, for the exhibitor Watman World that got me in last year and this year. Um, I, I sent them thank you email last week. Um, but if you do not have um, an exhibitor pass, the admission will cost between two hundred and three hundred dollars. Um, that is just be aware of that. Parking in the convention center is twenty dollars a day. Um, so that can be about maybe $300 total right there. Hotels, you're probably paying about $400 for three nights. If you're coming from out of state, I would say it's about a $1,000 budget with all the food. So at least $1,000. I'm very lucky yeah, to so be living in Champa. So that's, you're saying $1,000 if you have to pay for admission to the event. And the flights and the hotel, $1,000 okay. at least. I'm, yeah, Andrew and I were very travel. lucky. Yeah. So yeah, Kim, if out of state or it's your normal travel, you know, you got to book your flight, you're going to drive down. And I mean, that, that stuff do. I figured but, I'm talking, you know, was talking about, you know, specifically for the event itself. Oh, the no, event no, itself. No. So like 300 yeah, no, and then so, 20 for parking. Yeah. So maybe like 400 for the yeah. event. Okay. Yeah. Right. But at the event itself, Kim, I'm not sure just in case you're wondering, everything that you can do at IAPA where, you know, to try things out, to see things, mm-hmm. to sit in the coaster cars, to ride the rides, to have samples of the food. That is all free once you have yes. admission into IAPA. Exactly. Now, yes. I I bought, you know, like you would normally buy at a theme park, some of the fudge, you know, quarter pound, whatever they sell uh, of each of these two flavors that I got. That I paid for. Um, you know, the, the these after-hours parties, the, the, again, the GCI one is free. Everyone that is invited, very kind of them. I mean, they are renting out, part, they're renting out basically a, a small theme park, a small amusement park, and they're providing food, catered food and drinks. 
So, and that's free. Uh, that's very nice of them. The uh, the, the Celebrates event, the one that was at Universal at Islands of Adventure this year, that you pay for unless you get invited by an exhibitor. But I can't imagine anyone that normally we know or can get invited. It's very rare. Right. Um, but to, to Michael's point, though, for Kim, um, IAPA, it's a very popular time to come to Orlando. You have lots of people. I drive is very busy, all the hotels. So if you're going to come to IAPA, now you may not know, Kim, you may not know that right now if you're going to get in next year. My recommendation is if you really want to come, you, the dates are already on IAPA's website. Reserve a hotel now, or a, a cancelable reservation, refundable reservation hotel. Wait, I, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Are. I'm going to do it. And that way, if you don't get in, you can cancel it. But if you do get in, you're probably going to get better rates now. You don't want to be booking a hotel for IAPA a week before. You're probably not right. going to be able to stay at a hotel anywhere near the convention. Right. And then also, if you get near one near the convention center where you can walk to the convention center, you don't have to worry about parking at the convention center for 20 bucks a day, which you know saves some money. You may not even have to rent a car, potentially. You know, you can Uber or, you know, you know, Kim, I can probably drive you places like I do when you come to visit. But again, I'm not offering that to all the listeners necessarily, but, you know, friends and whatnot. But anyways. The but, loss um, of us. Yeah, I mean, it's not... Okay, so so um, and then uh, New Jersey coasters again. Uh, Jason, Jason Pennybacker. I actually met him. At one of, I, I met him for the first time. He was really cool. Hi, Jason. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I met him for the first time back in August at his home park at Great Adventure up in New Jersey, and very nice guy. So he's saying here that he was lucky enough to get his trip under five hundred dollars because he came for the first time this year uh, as press. Uh, and okay. included his flight, and uh, he shared a hotel. So that's another thing you do: share a hotel with friends. Uh, and, they, and they did Uber. So they didn't rent a car, which is just, you know sharing the cost of the Uber with friends. So yeah, you've got a good point. That's a good way to do it on a budget. So good point, Jason. Now, speaking of Jason, another comment he made, and this transitions transitions us into our last topic, but probably our most important topic. Uh, and you know, normally we talk about the six hundred pound gorilla or the elephant in the room. But today we need to talk about the $5 ice cream in the room. And we have to talk about some very despicable, disgusting, unprofessional, inappropriate behavior that has happened. This year at IAPA. And quite frankly, this general type of behavior tends to happen at IAPA. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not Mr. Bolligard, Mr. <laughs> you know, Malibar, Mabillard. It's not the people that work, you know, that manage the, uh, that run, that own the coaster companies. Uh, they're not the exhibitors that are doing this. Um, generally, the people that are doing this are, um, are enthusiasts. Uh, and the level of entitlement that we see in enth enthusiasts, we've seen this behavior before. We saw it, for example, at Hollywood Nights in 2021, when that very tragic accident happened the first night and that woman lost her life. And you had enthusiasts on Twitter. Again, I'm not naming names. Uh, bitching to Holiday World that they couldn't get on their beloved voyage that night. Poor baby. Someone just died. Be respectful, for God's sakes. So because we have to talk about respect, because respect is something that, that every enthusiast should have, we unfortunately have to talk about what happened at APA this year. So in order to do that, we need to talk about these press conferences and how they work. So normally, if you think about a press conference, you know, you think about like, you know, like an Apple or a Samsung announcing a brand new product. 
Uh, and they have it, you know, at the Steve Jobs Theater, for example, at Apple. And they have a big theater with a stadium seating, or they'll they'll you know they'll they'll host uh, in a movie theater or something, or some big venue, even a concert hall. Sometimes big product announcements are made and big big press conferences. But at IAPA, that's not how the press conferences work. They're not in a theater or in a concert hall. They're on the trade show floor. And that is a problem. And part of why that's a problem is because the trade show floor, it's a flat space. There's no stadium seating. There's no seating, period. And because of that, everyone's flat. It's like watching the fireworks at Disney, now, how difficult that can be. If you're not up front, then you've got people ahead of you. Well, the laws of common decency kind of apply here. And basically, if you've got an upfront spot, it's because you got there first. Well, that's generally how you would look at that. And, you know, so the people that get there, you know, some people get there 30, 45 minutes ahead of time. They're doing that not because they're rabid fans necessarily or because they're crazy. It's because they want to be respectful and responsible. They want to get a good viewing point, but they they you know they, they're going to do the right thing and get there early to be right up front and then people that show up later well the price you pay for not waiting as long just like the fireworks at disney is you're further in the back and that's generally how things go now as i mentioned i don't go to these press conferences especially anymore because they're so busy and all these people there you can't get a good viewing point and all it's for is for a train to be revealed okay now, people apparently go to these things, as I alluded to earlier, because people want to be the first on YouTube or the first on Instagram to show off the front car of a damn train. I'm sorry, people. It's not that exciting. I'm not trying to snooze on things, but I'm just trying to be realistic and literal here. You know, I'm trying to, you know, put things in perspective. But again, people will wait. And hey, that's their choice. And I respect that. If they want to choose to wait there to get a good viewing point, all empowered to them. I just, I don't really take, take part in this. Now, again, people being respectful and waiting in line, that's fine. But a couple of things you need to keep in mind. Number one, if you're a regular attendee at IAPA, you have no right to be photographing or videoing that reveal unless you get permission from that exhibitor. Okay? I'm not saying that, you know, all the people there were photoing it or videoing it illegally, but I'm guessing not everyone was. So you should be getting permission. We're talking about proper IAPA etiquette. Now, as press and media... Okay, you can photo and video, and that's fine because you're covering the events. But the bigger problem that happened this year is to talk about people lining up and people getting there early. Well, people that get there right before it starts, they're at the back. Well, they should be staying at the back or wherever there's space, you know, where people have not arrived yet, and that's where they're going to watch it from. But apparently, we had at least one or a group of a couple people this year. Uh, that weren't even press patch holders. They were just regular attendees that didn't have the right to photo or video unless they got permission. And it wasn't good enough that they arrive, arrive right on time or right before the event started to be in the back. And so they pushed their way through. They were seen pushing their way through. And at least one occasion, one of these people was seen crawling on all fours to the front. Okay, that is disgusting behavior. This is a trade show. This is not romper room. And this disgusts me, makes me ashamed to be an enthusiast. This is inexcusable. And because of behavior like this and a subsequent apparent bribery attempt for $5, which again is disgusting and ridiculous relating to this, uh, th there is real world consequences of what's happened at IAPA this year. And 
Uh, the person in charge of global press relations or global media relations, she's in charge of the press and media office. Uh, her name is Caitlin, and she's fairly new to the role. And I have to applaud her for the action she's taking because she's being responsible and she's reminding people there are consequences for poor decision making. And she has announced already to all, she sent an email out to all the press and media that there are going to be changes now the program's going to work next year and who's going to be able to get in or not. And again, I have to agree with what she's doing because we can't have bad behavior. But shame on the people that committed this bad behavior because they're ruining it for the rest of us. Okay? And that's the fundamentals of what I have to say about this. Uh, Michael, do you have anything to add? Um, all I can say is that the train will be there the whole week. And there's so much going on in social media. Everyone's tweeting the same thing. Post your picture an hour later with less people around. You don't have to get it. You don't have to get your chain yeah. reveal the day of. Um, I do go to the press conferences. I'm not technically press. I'm an attendee, but I know a lot of people that go and I enjoy them. But I just stand in the back and I, I watch. You'll. I don't need to get the same picture with everyone hands doing the same thing. I, I stand in the back and just do nothing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like I said earlier, Michael, it's a very good point. You can get really nice pictures and video of the trains later. And for the ones that you can sit in, you know, you're not going to sit in it during the press conference. I mean, okay. No. By the no. way, <laughs> that's another thing. If a press conference is happening and it's a train you can sit in, do not run from the front of the crowd, even if you're up front, and go sit in the train. <laughs> do not do that during the press conference. Do that afterwards. But again, you, there's no reason to wait in the crowd, even if you're being polite, you know, let alone not being polite, which is what happened this year. You know, you, you can wait until later. Just go go and ride a yes. ride or go go look at some other exhibitors during this press conference. So so it, it's just a real problem with these crowds and this inappropriate behavior. So I'm hoping um, of what happened last and, year. Yeah. Um, last year we had the, um, it wasn't yeah. stadium seating, but it was like the spaced yes. out seating and all the conferences took place in one yes. area. That was, I know it was COVID related. I hope that comes back next year. That was fantastic. I loved it. I got to sit down. There was no concerns over space it was great yeah so it's interesting about that michael i thought about that too that maybe that's something that you know caitlin and the, the team at iapa you know might have to look at doing would be caitlin that's not her part of iapa but the other folks at iapa the problem with that is these reveals these press conferences right. are largely trains right and last and year so there was only one the, train reveal which was not on that um not in that area that was rmc with air force one on, right uh, at their booth other than that, there were no train reveals. So yes, that we'd have to take that consideration. Right. And the thing about their trains is, is, okay, the reveal happens in the booth. And, you know, so if it doesn't happen in the press conference, well, even with the train being at the booth, without a reveal at the booth, without a press conference at the booth, that train still, you know, attracts people's attention to come to that booth right. to the show, which is why the reveals are done the first day. Right. Now, this doesn't help with that. But if they have to go back to this, press conference, you know, format where they have a common area for press conferences um, because of this bad behavior and all this other stuff this year, then one thing about that that's nice is it's in one area, so you know where to go. You don't have to like, oh, where's this booth? Where's this booth? You just go to that one area at the, at the press conference time. It makes it convenient. Um, the other thing they could do if they go back to that is you can still do train reveals. They could have the trains at various parts of that area, have them draped, 
And then for each press conference involving a train, that train gets revealed. Yeah. Still, that train would not be at the company's booth, and you can't move these right. trains. They're hundreds upon hundreds of pounds. So without being able to move them to the trade show booth, then they wouldn't be at the exhibitor's booth. So that's, you know, that's another problem, too. But, you know, it's better than not having trains at all, I guess. Um, right. But, you know, uh, you know, there are some issues at IAPA. Um, and this year, especially, and it, it's just, you know, hopefully things can be better in the future, but at the same time, hopefully the people that, you know, deserve to get in and who are those, obviously the exhibitors got to get in, the buyers got to get in that that's no brainer that, and that has nothing to do with this bad behavior, but then there's the question of the press and okay, your major media, of course, they need to get in newspapers, your Arthur Levine's, et cetera. But, you know, people like us that are podcasters that act respectfully at these shows, at, at the app events, you know, I'd like to think we could still get in because it is important for us. We make good contacts. Again, Jake Kilcup, uh, Adam Sandy from Zemperla. I met him through IAPA last year and was able to wind up interviewing him at a great interview again here season two of the podcast. Uh, and again, hopefully our ability to get in is not affected. Right. And again, still, you know, for enthusiasts, for fans... If they're going to be respectful, hopefully they can still get in. Now, unfortunately, I could see, you know, IAPA, you know, maybe not allowing a lot of people with just as regular attendees like enthusiasts. I'm not saying that should be the case, but, you know, I'm concerned that there's going to be serious ramifications. And unfortunately, the few bad apples, a couple bad apples, as the case may be, can ruin it for most of the rest of us, if not all of us. And that's that's unfortunate and you know shame on those people and there should be consequences for those people individually but um so kim do you have anything you want to add not really i mean basically i 100 percent stand behind everything that you had to say i mean thank you the behavior that i've you know heard across the board from multiple sources is completely in every way, shape, and form unacceptable. It's a couple that make the majority of us that are doing things the right way for the right reasons, you know, it puts a, que it puts a question mark on, you know, everybody's intentions. Right. And it, it, I feel like, you know, it's for someone like me that's never been able to attend the, attend the event. Am I ever going to get to go, you know? Yeah, exactly. I was wondering the same thing too. You know, I've taught, you know, my, my kids were hoping yep. to at some point attend to the future. What are, you know, what are their chances going to be right. to get, you know, getting to the, to attend the event. People need to think outside of themselves and, you know, how is this going to affect the community? Because the community is far larger than, you know, a couple of faces. There is no face of the community. The people in the community are the face of the community. And I really think, yeah. you know, people that stand behind what you said, Andrew, need to take a stand you need to speak up make your thoughts known respectfully of course 
But at the same time, don't sit back and silently just kind of scroll on by and say nothing because silence speaks volumes. And a lot of times silence can be perceived as compliance and support of that behavior. So please, by all means, if you are as animately against this type of behavior as we are, please make your thoughts known. Make it known in the right way to the right people. Make your voice heard because one or two people are not the face and voice of this community. Everyone involved is. Yep. That's my piece. Yeah, and, and Kim, to your point, and with some some people in this community, and this is any community, have louder voices than other. I don't mean that literally. I mean some people have more followers or more yes. subscribers than others. But um, you know, that doesn't mean that people with the loudest voices always do the right thing or say the right thing. Um, but even if your voice is small, many small voices are loud. And that's so, my that's again, my people whole come point. together. I think there are a whole lot of people. There are a whole lot of people than people realize, and you might think, oh, me by myself, I'm just one small voice. No one's going to listen to me. But if enough small voices speak up and have the same message, it's going to be heard. Yep. Yep. And uh, the one other comment I'll make, excuse me, um, the other, other bad behavior that I heard of, it's kind of a similar thing. Uh, it, it kind of, it, it, we've already talked about what's proper behavior for this, but uh, someone complaining that is not a buyer, someone that's just basically, uh, you know, enthusiast or, or, you know, blogger or whatnot, complaining that a manufacturer wouldn't talk to them or give them the time of day. Again, that there's, that, you shouldn't be complaining about that. The manufacturers are not there to talk to enthusiasts or to vloggers, especially people without press passes. They're there to talk to the parks. And that is in your best interest, all of our best interests. Okay. In terms of if they, if the parks talk to manufacturers, get some good meetings. Oh, you've got this new coaster type, this new, they're going to, we're going to get better attractions out of it at parks all around the world. So again, keep in mind why this is happening. And if you are lucky enough to attend, Keep, keep, think of yourself as a guest in a very nice home. You know, be respectful, you know, just be mindful of people's time and just be appreciate the, the ability to go to this like this. And Kim, I hope you're able to go. Uh, David is here with us. Welcome, David. You'd like to add on? Yeah. Um, this is a very in depth, but it's, it's also a very serious conversation that I feel that I need as the founder the owner of this podcast and this network who has been around in this community for over almost eight years now. And our podcast is definitely a bigger microphone because we're not even a podcast for two years and we are just up there in numbers and listeners. And, you know, we try to bring positivity into this community because there's been so much negativity in this community, but I want to reach out to all those that are listening right now or to those that are going to be listening later on, as this is going to be on YouTube and on our podcast channels all over the globe. So I want to address something to all the bloggers, 
YouTubers, podcasters, all social media people that are working very hard to make themselves known in this community. So as the owner, I just want to say this. When you're a social media person in the theme park community, it's just like being in media. You got to be professional in what you do because you are setting up your own resume out there. You are showing who you are and how you product yourself at events, at places like IAPA, theme park media days, no matter where you are in the theme park industry or where you're invited to, there needs to be a level of professionalism regardless of how many subscribers. There are YouTubers out there that have from 200,000 plus subscribers to maybe only 100 subscribers. No matter, it, it don't matter how many views your videos get, how many subscribers you have, you have a responsibility of how you act professionally. And if you act unprofessionally, it will spread like wildfire. All you're doing is influencing others out there to do what you're doing. And I'm sorry, but from the conversation of what happened, what I heard, what happened at IAPA this year that you got, that you and Michael and everybody else got to witness, it's disgusting. It's very unprofessional. I am a professional who works in Hollywood with celebrities and producers, and I work in all kinds of people in the industry. We all agree that no matter who you are, either if you're somebody who's handling the food at the table or working on rentals or whatever you're doing in the industry, you have a responsibility of being professional. So if you are going to do this line of work, you need to present yourself. You need to dress appropriately. You need to have demeanor. You got to have manners, respect, and you also got to respect your other bloggers and YouTubers out there because they're not competition. We're a community. We work together and we're all because we all share a common love that we all love, and that's the theme park industry. We love everybody who's involved in this industry. The manufacturers work their butts off to give us the most joyous coasters and attractions that we have got, we are lucky to be able to get to experience. And the fact that if you get invited to some of these special events, that's a special honor. And believe me, in my family, we take honor very seriously. So, and I'm sorry, but if you are a YouTuber with over 200,000 subscribers, if you're going to act unprofessionally or if you're going to bring people into your organization that are going to be so unprofessional, then you need to do the professional thing and and you got to look after your brand because you're working hard to build a brand. Andrew, Kim and I and our team, we have representatives all over the country. We have spent eight years building Coaster Challenge as a serious brand and we want the, the theme parks and the manufacturers and anybody who's involved in this industry to be able to take us seriously because of the respect and the courtesy and kindness we do, we give back. So I hope that what IAP is doing, I agree. It is the necessary steps they got to take. I just hope that it doesn't punish our organization and other great organizations that are out there that are just out there trying to share the news and excitement and trying to get the public riled up to be able to get ready to go to the parks to experience these new attractions. So that's pretty much what I got to say here. You guys were dead on what you said, but I just had to jump on and just say as, as a founder, owner, as somebody who's very serious in this organization, who's a professional, I'm sorry, I'm reaching out to all those. You need professionalism if you want to be taken serious in this community. That's all I got to say.
David, really appreciate it. I agree everything you said. Uh, Michael or Kim, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, I just want to say that IAPA is my favorite time of the year. I can't imagine my life without IAPA, honestly. Like, I, I already have the dates off for work next year. It's my, I look forward nice. to it all year. Yeah. Nice. Kim, yes. One big takeaway I'm getting from all of this that's really, you know, from the fact that I've never attended, been a big light bulb that's turned on my mind is no one should view attending IAPA as a right. It is an honor and a privilege. It is. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That absolutely. we should be grateful for, and it needs to be treated as such. Right. Yeah. I'm, ve- I'm very that. grateful um, that I don't, I'm very grateful that I know the right exhibitor that gets me in for free now, um, but I used to pay um, for six years. I'm very grateful that I'm able to go um, and do what I do there now. So, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Kim. I think, uh, like, you know, since this has been a serious topic, I do want to end um, this topic on a positive note. Uh, I try to, one of the things I've learned dealing with depression and anxiety in life, I mean, you know, kind of topics we talk about a lot in the show, given our, our mission, Coaster, Pod, Coaster Challenge Podcast, um, is try to find the positive in any situation. And again, you know, it's a serious topic and there were some bad actors, a couple, you know, at least a couple, a few bad behaviorists, if you will, at IAPA this, this uh, couple weeks ago. And uh, I guess there's been some apologies or whatnot, perhaps I'm not going to comment on um, how, you know, legitimate those are or not, but however legitimate they might be, if they are, they're just words. And I would call upon all of the people, all the problem children this year, you can apologize as loud as you want. Go right ahead. I don't care. What I care about is you changing your behavior. And it is beyond time for that behavior to change, to be a positive part of this community. And that's what this podcast is all about, is people being positive. I don't like seeing negative, negativity and toxicity in the community, especially when voices are louder and have toxic voices like that, it's not good for any of us. So I, the positive out of this is where you have a negative situation going on, you've got a problem in life, the good thing that comes from that is you can improve that and make that so much better. And again, I challenge these people to not just apologize with words, but take positive actions. And that could be amazing for this community and for yourselves, for your, the people that would be taking those positive actions. You're going to feel so much better about yourself and changing your ways. I would just like to tag on real quick to what Andrew just said. And I mean, one of the hardest things to do, me included, when I make mistakes and I mess up, but one of the best things that you can do, one of the most positive actions you can take is, you know, with these apologies, take accountability for your behavior. Say, hey, you know, I did this. It was wrong. And, you know, that's a big thing to do. Step forward, step up, take accountability, take accountability for, for what you did. That's the first step in changing behavior. Because based on my own experience, you know, behavior doesn't change without admitting that there was a mistake made. The beha- you know, the behavior that happened was problematic. And then that shows everyone that you are willing to take the steps necessary to fix it. 
Yep. Yeah. Apologizing and stepping up and admitting what you did. That's just step one. It's like, a, I'm not saying it's a 12 step program, like Alcoholics Anonymous or you know, taking, like that, taking, but, accountability, yeah. taking accountability for me is a big thing. Yeah. It's, it's a first major step, but it's not the only step, but it's the key step is admitting and being honest with yourself, you mm-hmm. know, and then taking, changing who you are, if you need to get help or therapy or whatever it is, you know, sometimes that's necessary. Uh, and then make yourself a better person and be a more a more productive, uh, positive part of the community. So, um, you know, I, I will say, and again, this is even more positive. We're continuing that on the positivity train, um, th- whether it be at IAPA or, you know, the friends I see at IAPA, the people I know at IAPA, but forget about IAPA, just, just in the real world, in the parks, at the park events, the vast majority of enthusiasts that I've met, you know, so many that I call friends that were good friends, are wonderful people. You guys right here, Michael, you know, you know, you know, and you know, you're, you're been a great friend for four years, Kim, I've known you for what now uh, coming up on three years since we first met in person at uh, Hollywood nights in 2021, you know, David, of course he went off the air here, but you know, he and I have been friends now for over four years and you guys are just, you know, a few small examples, but you know, I have met so many amazing enthusiasts, not just around this country, but all over the world. And, you know, Europe, U.S., Asia, and so many people, the mass majority are wonderful people. You know, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. But we're overall, we're good members of the community. We're kind to each other. We're, we have fun with each other. We just, you know, we just like to go ride and enjoy the parks. And, you know, we don't, we don't get into this negativity and so forth. But unfortunately, the negativity sometimes catches up with us. And that's what happened to that. Right. Right. Uh, but, hope, you know, and that's, again, the vast majority of people are not causing the problem, thankfully. So, and then again, part of a big part of this this episode was to not just educate people about IAPA, but to help you know with the people that can go moving forward. Hopefully, Kim, you get to go for the first time, and others that have been in the group chat and other people listening. Hopefully, you get to go, and now you know you have a better idea of kind of the the things to to do, not do at IAPA, and how to be a, a good IAPA visitor, <laughs> an attendee, an appreciative IAPA visitor. So. I appreciate, you know, everyone listening in here and, you know, let us know if you have any questions. Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Of course, I'm honored. Yeah, no, it's been, you've been awesome. You know, I knew you'd be a great resource for for this type of uh, discussion and you're just wealth of knowledge and, you know, you're just, you know, again, your knowledge on app is really impressive. So thank you for for sharing and and discussing with us today. Kim, again, happy birthday. Thanks. You had great questions. I, I appreciate it means a lot to me that you learned a lot here. That was my hope, you know, and your, your takeaways have been really awesome. And, and that, that's great. And David, thanks for your, thanks for your contribution. You know, I, you know what, everything you said, I agree with hundred percent. This is an, you know, some important topics here. So, well, thank you everyone.